Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial subscription, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the We Review Podcast with FilmStage.com. As always, I am your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Robin Barr. Uh, I do worry. I worry a lot. <laughs> do you worry, Do you worry, baby, or do you worry, darling? Uh, both. Okay. All right. We also have <laughs> Bill Graham. I worry a moderate amount, I would say. All right. That's good. And I would say I'm ma- I worry a Jewish amount. Oh, that's <laughs> ooh, that's quite a lot, though. That's like concerning. Like you need to go see a therapist for that. Sometimes my anxiety is so bad that when I, I avoid something bad happening, I actually think in my mind, oh, no, the multiverse version of me is really fucked right now. Oh, see, I always think okay, <laughs> so, like whenever I skirt some kind of tragedy or disaster, I almost view it as like I've taken a payday loan out. Of like yep. good like luck or like fortune, and just like yep. it's just gonna keep rolling, man. And suddenly someone's gonna go up to me and be like, uh, "Not only do you owe me your entire life, but I get to take your legs." You're just always waiting for that shoe to drop. Yep, I. Uh, th- this is one of the reasons why I swear to God we're gonna introduce our guest at some point. This is one of the reasons why when the pandemic happened, I actually handled it super well because all of A my lot catastroph- depressed people did. Yeah, all of my catastrophizing had finally come true. Yeah, it's like all the preparing, all of the, like, just mental fuckery. It all came to fruition. Yeah, it was like, oh, this is it. Okay, good. All right. Yeah, all right. I'm ready. Let's do this. No, in the back of my mind, it was always like, we think this is it. But the real it's coming. Yeah, it. Chapter two. Anyway, Mm -hmm. our guest today is Heather Schwedell. Hi, um... I'm worried too. I guess I have an anxiety disorder. That's why. <laughs> and that's High why five. we invited you to talk about Don't yes. Worry, Darling. <laughs> um, yes, I'm excited to talk about this movie. Yes. In terms of representation, we decided to get only people that worried a lot on this episode. <laughs> yeah, Bill's our diversity candidate. Because <laughs> <laughs> he only worries a moderate amount. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we are here to talk about. Uh, I uh, this is like already very stupid, but I have not figured out how to, in in a cadence sense, say the name of this movie. This. Feels, uh, what are some of the options? Like, don't worry, darling, or don't worry, dar. Like, it, I don't know, like, what the rise and the fall should be. Like, I don't feel like I've said the name out loud a lot. I've mainly like <laughs> I, seen it on Twitter. I, I, I very much feel like you're overthinking this, Brian. Just, no, just say it. Just and just listen to the last. Three I think minutes? it was the second one. It was definitely the second one of what you just said. What was it's the don't worry, one? darling. Right? It's it's yeah. Don't worry, darling. It's not don't worry, darling. Because there's no it, no. It's like um, don't worry, darling. Yeah. Don't worry. You darling. got it. <laughs> don't worry, darling. Don't worry, darling. Don't worry, darling. <laughs> anyway, we've now said that title way too much. That fucking this, comma. There, either, yes. Okay. The technical editor part of my brain 
is going nuts over what this title means in a literal sense. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's directed by Olivia Wilde. It's written by Katie Silverman, uh, Carrie Van Dyke, and uh, Shane Van Dyke as well. So that's cool. This is great. Uh, it stars Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, and Chris Pine. And we are going to talk about it. Before we do that, uh, Heather, would you like to reintroduce yourself to our listening audience? Um, sure. Uh, my name is Heather Schwedell, uh, and I am a staff writer at Slate.com, where I write about pop culture and human interests. And I have written a little bit about Don't Worry, Darling, mostly concerning the sort of off-screen drama element of it. The most important part of the movie. Which I feel like I don't like, should we, I, we're, it's going to come up organically. We're, we're going to sure. talk about it. Yeah. yeah. It's just. Yeah. Like, it's sorry, so much you did this, this. You did this to yourself. So, mm-hmm. are you talking to me or to like literally everyone involved with this? Movie? No, I'm saying <laughs> sorry, darling. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, uh, so that's uh, yeah. That's why we're here today. We're going to talk about "Don't Worry, Darling." Don't worry, darling. Yeah, this is a. Uh, every once in a while, don't worry, darling. Those, every once in a while, I see those things that are like someone claiming to have ADD or OCD or something, but then something like this. You mean people on TikTok, Brian, we know your bullshit. Yes, you do know my bullshit. But then there's something like this happens to me where I get hung up on how to speak the words. Don't worry, darling, in a way that's like, I think you just said it perfectly. You get it the best when you're not thinking about it. Okay. So like, also it's your anxiety disorder. Uh, Yes. 100%. Um, This is actually, I had, I was teaching my daughter to kick a soccer ball. Because she recently started playing soccer. And I discovered that um, I had to make her pass the ball mid-run because she was thinking too much about how to set up for the proper like pass kick. And uh, she could only really do it well if she was uh, taking at least three steps. So, yeah, it is that. You just got to run up on it. I'm just going <laughs> to run up on the title. Don't worry, darling. As though I am passing it to someone downfield. So that's going to be how I get through this episode. Anyway, the usual stuff before we get into our feature review of Don't Worry Darling, and that is you can find us on Twitter at Film State Show, Facebook The Film State Show, emails podcast filmstage.com, and of course you can comment and uh, rate us on whatever podcatcher you use that uses a rating system. You can also become a patron of this here podcast by going to patreon.com slash show, where you get access to our super cool Slack channel, where you can talk to all of the... Uh, Roustabouts. Avatar fans. <laughs> and maniacs who, yeah, shocked at how many people actually seem to like Avatar. Loved it, baby. Fucking insanity. I, uh, oh, God. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Avatar. Um, not yet. But if you would like to talk Avatar with an apparently <laughs> very, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Enthusiastic group of fans, go to patreon.com yeah. slash the film state show. For as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our Slack channel where you can talk tar all you want um in addition to that we are brought to you by movie which once again is a curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe every day movie premieres a brand new film from iconic directors to emerging auteurs there's always something new to discover with movie each and every film is hand selected it's like your own personal film festival streaming anytime anywhere And uh, we've got some great stuff that has come to the platform. I would like to talk about notes on an appearance. The strange disappearance of a controversial philosopher throws an intellectual New York crowd for a loop, igniting a series of existential quandaries echoing La Ventura 
in both tone and ambience, Ricky D'Ambrose's haunting debut is an enigma that is well worth pursuing. So if you would like to check out that, amongst a whole lot of other great film, all you gotta do is go to mubi.com slash filmstage. And that is mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial of Mubi, which um, I actually, I didn't I didn't read that far into the email they sent me. They apparently also have The Master on there, a very well-known movie that perhaps I should have foregrounded. But actually, in thinking about it, no, I should foreground the lesser-known thing. But The Master is also on there for all you plebs who need something with more name recognition. So again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage for your free 30-day trial subscription to Mubi today. And that is that. Uh, do we have anything else we would like to talk about before we dive into our feature review of Don't Worry Darling? No. Cool. Awesome. Glad to hear it. In that case, uh, this is it. We're here to talk about Don't Worry Darling again. This is the newest feature from Booksmart director Olivia Wilde, who co-stars in this film alongside Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, and Chris Pine, amongst many, many others. And here is part of the trailer. Bang, bang. Security level, yellow. All residents safe and accounted for. Victory is safe and secure. Here you can live the life you deserve. We can all live the life... All right, so that is part of the trailer for Don't Worry Darling, which has a uh, synopsis on IMDb that I will read to you right now. A 1950s housewife living with her husband in a utopian experimental community begins to worry that his glamorous company could be hiding disturbing secrets. So that is the summary for Don't Worry Darling, which is out in theaters now, and we are here to talk about it. And let's begin with our guest, Heather. What are your thoughts on don't worry darling um well i i suspect i might be the defender of this movie in Uh this podcast (laughs) (laughs) um i thought it was kind of good or it was kind of fun there there are like some pretty glaring problems and plot holes with it but it it was a very stylish movie and i i think the off-screen stuff I was talking about before. I mean, that made me really excited to be there. I liked that it was kind of an event. I know um, Harry Styles got in, uh, people made fun of him a lot for, he had a quote from Venice that was something that was like, (laughs) what I love about this movie is that it feels like a movie, but I think he was right. It feels like a movie. (laughs) And I also like that about it. I know what he means because the movies of like at least the last 15 years have felt really stylistically autorish. Uh, but is that not a movie? Like artistic. Isn't that- like I, I like, I, I like that stuff. I do, but there's something about this movie that feels very retro and very like it's 1995 and it's a fucking movie. And it's not just like some indie wannabe stuff. So I'm not saying that's a good thing. I, I, don't, I would read his remarks as being like, oh, like so much of our cinema now feels like a TV show, like it's shot in mids and all the colors are like. I don't think he's, this is not like a bright analysis. 
I, I think I the just the man was in a Nolan oh, movie, Jesus. and I was trying to give him some some more credence. You know, like people. I give him zero credence. Okay, well that's fine. I don't care. When about you're him. banging the director, like. <laughs> wow, that's all right. Just coming in hot yeah. off well, the I, press. I think. Um, I mean, who who can really know what he meant? But I think. Uh, there's something elevated about it. It's not just, I don't know. Yeah. Some movie that you would watch on streaming. It really feels like something you would go to the movie theater and see and sort of an event film in a way. I think a lot of things don't. Right. And like, I mean, yeah, I feel that like we watch, like, I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest with you at the height of the pandemic. I watched rush hour again for the first time in forever. <laughs> And that's like a fun movie. And even watching that, I was like, this feels different than probably what this movie would get made like nowadays. And I, I, to me, that's what I, but his, I mean, his answer was almost perfect in its ability to just mean whatever you want it to mean. Like to to the observer, it takes on all different shapes. It's like a Zen cone of a terrible He's a genius in that way, isn't he? I mean, who but him could come up with watermelon sugar? Was that him? That was him, right? That's him. Okay. I only know him because of TikTok sounds. Jesus. (laughs) That's a really interesting way to know Harry Styles. (laughs) And uh, that's how he he only knows anything. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I got introduced to Doja Cat. That's how I got introduced to Megan the Stallion. Oh, boy, baby. Um, I don't know what to tell you. I don't listen to, to music. Well, okay, to be fair, I only know one Harry Styles song, and that's because Pitchfork told me to listen to it. Wow, you're still this, listening this, to Pitchfork? What is this, 2004? This latest album is really good. I'm reading Pitchfork, and so, it's 2008, baby. Are you guys not familiar with him as, like, a character in Taylor Swift's life? Uh, I feel like I'm an anti-Swiftian. I thought that was uh, not Justin Timberlake. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Thank you. Okay. Please don't tell me that you think there's only one man. No, I'm positive there are many, but I was unaware of the the Styles era, the Styles dynasty. She literally has a song called called Style that's about him. Oh, for fuck's sake. That's a little too (laughs) much. And she's considered a songwriter. I mean, look, no watermelon sugar, you know, but it is. Robin, you said you were an anti-Swifty, and then you made fun of the title of her song. Not not the content of the song, but you were just like, and she's a songwriter? Like, come on. It's just a little on the nose. Kind of like everything about this movie. I was about to say, which, you know, this movie, perfect. They should have had a Taylor Swift song. You know what's really on the nose? The song Paradise City. Okay? So, you know, the, we, we are got shades. Well, here, here's the minute. thing, Bill. You say that, but have, are you not thrown for a loop by the lyric, take me down to the Paradise City where the grass is green and the girls are pretty? Because grass, not commonly associated with city living. <laughs> but it's usually green if it's there. Uh, is it? Robin, um, I bet you and I have the same <laughs> reference point for that song. Yes. It can't hardly wait. Yep. 
Uh, I haven't High seen five. that movie in forever. I that movie that is movie. one of the greatest films of all time. That movie it's- is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just like. Oh, can we add that to our list for? Uh, that came out in 1999, please. right? Yeah. So Around we got until, we got. Uh, can, we can watch a no for. We could just do it next year. No one cares. No one's listening. God, I love that movie. That was one of the <laughs> movies that I had to have Nick watch while, like, before our wedding. <laughs> it was sure. on the syllabus. It was the syllabus was like Tommy Boy. That's the one. Uh, that's the one with Ethan Embry, right? And he's yes, like, yes, yes, and he's into Sarah Michelle Geller because no, like, uh, no, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh, it's Jennifer Love Hewitt. That's right. But there yeah. is a pop tart involved, right, or a toaster strudel? Um, toaster I think strudel. He, he gives no. her a, a pop tart in class. Um, it, when they meet, maybe. All right, here, sounds, here's I what we're going to do. We're all going to take a break. We're going to watch that movie. Was we're going to come back. Or am I thinking of Mean Girls? <laughs> I'm going to look it up. God, I fucking love that movie. <laughs> uh, that's a movie I fell in love with both Seth Green and Oh, the yeah, because Seth hook. Green is and in I've, that as like a yeah. dick. And he reconnects He's with the girl that he like it. stopped talking to. He's and so then, Lauren like, Ambrose. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I wish I was Lauren Ambrose like all throughout middle school. That does not surprise me at all. <laughs> I Robin, can't wait Lauren for Ambrose Yellow Jackets season That's... two. Thank you. You're oh hey, God. no, I'm 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 here for the Yellow Jackets. <laughs> the, the season two is going to be great. Who is that kid? Charlie Corsmo. Totally in love with him too. Oh yeah, yeah. <sighs> from um, he was from Hook. Yeah, he was the the boy in Hook, but the, he grew up into yeah. a man and can't hardly wait. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Calm down. In my 10 year old mind. Well, it's another movie with a contraction in the title. That's another connection we can make. True. And can't. That is correct. I agree. That is. (laughs) Whose turn is it? What are we even talking about? It's me or Bill. (laughs) I think it's. All right. Heather, have you said all that you had to say for your nutshell thoughts on this movie? I have. Okay, awesome. I'm glad. <laughs> Rob, or actually, yeah, let's go to Bill. Bill, what are your thoughts on this movie? Uh, I surprisingly have a lot to say about this movie. I think my feelings are very complex because while I thought the first half was pretty good, like interesting, fun, like I was, I was into it. It really took a twist and turn, uh, not because of the twist and turn, but because of the filmmaking and things of that nature um, that I didn't quite enjoy and started to sour on me. Um, But there's just a lot going on. We can talk about this movie in like three different ways. We can talk about it as just, you know, the film going experience. Right. We can also talk about like whether it's good or not. And then we can also talk about everything else that happened behind the scenes which is incredible so there's so much going on i didn't bother like reading up on everything that happened behind the scenes because honestly i don't care and i like (laughs) living in this bubble where we're just gonna talk about it and i'm just gonna be like wow that's fucked up that's crazy whoa okay (laughs) so Yeah, I I don't know. That's wild. So, yeah. um, What do I think about this movie? Nutshell thoughts. Um, I will say a couple of quick things. I think the production design of this film is absolutely stunning. It looks 
great. Uh, it's shot really well. I think one of the fun things about this film that also drives me a little crazy is I really enjoyed the music, the score of it, and how punchy it is and how just kind of out there it is. But like I wish it singing. Oh, you I don't. I'm not sure. Of the White Lotus. I don't know any of those references, so okay. cool. Um, but <laughs> what I will say, what I will say is that it is very on the nose. It reminds me of like the horror. Uh, I can't remember what they not. Yeah, I guess the stinger, right? A horror stinger where like the music just like, like, yes, exactly. And you're like, oh shit, like what's going on? And this movie does that during high dramatic scenes where it's like, this is dramatic. This is dramatic. And you're like, I, I got that. Like, I get that it's dramatic, but even still, I'm like, oh, I like this like music, like heightening the mood, even though in a lot of other senses, I would complain about it because it's too on the nose here. I think it actually works because the film's not good enough to deserve anything better. And I actually like the music kind of tone of it. So I was so just like, you're oh, saying you like the score. I like the score. I don't necessarily love the way that it's used, but I like the experience of it um, in an in a bubble. If I start pulling it back and going, wow, they really didn't need to highlight that sequence. Right. I'm like, well, that was a dumb choice, but I and still enjoyed the experience of that dumb choice. So I don't know. It's it's uh, I, got, I got complicated feelings about this movie. Like when um, I snorted Vicodin at that party that one time. Mm. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Dumb choice, but it's fun. Um, I'm trying to think what else are kind of the keys of this film. Um, they have done themselves no favors one way or another in how they've talked about this film from all the things that I've heard through the ether. Um, so yeah, uh, would not recommend, but you know, if you do, I don't think you're going to hate yourself for it. All right. Robin bar. Oh, where do I begin? Um, this fucking movie. I mean, I can tell you where I'd like you to begin is that at some point you said that the writer should never be allowed to write again. You know, you stole my punchline. So I I found it really visually engaging. I, I agree with um with Bill here. The it just looks beautiful. Like, and I don't just mean the set design and the costuming, which people, you know, are, are talking about quite a bit, but also the cinematography. Um, it's just it it pulls you in visually. And I appreciated that. And I was kind of on its side a little bit. Not totally, but I was just kind of like, okay, okay, here we go, here we go. And then at some point, I just absolutely turned on this movie and I can pinpoint it at a moment, which I would say this is not really a spoiler, but at some point, Harry Styles dances. And I just said, I'm, this movie is dead to me. And I, and I just, it started to devolve from there. And We'll talk a little bit about this or a lot, I think, about this in the spoiler, but in the spoiler section, the everything that it leads up to is just a crumbled house of cards. Um, and there's so many things I want to compare it to right now, but of course I don't I don't want to spoil it. But I think it's pretty obvious from the trailer 
where this movie is going. And even though I couldn't really pinpoint the exact landing zone, I felt like where it did land was much stupider than I even anticipated. And yes, I think that this screenwriter, like, like this, I should say that the directing was decent. The screenwriting is abominable. Um, Everything about the script doesn't make sense. And I don't even just mean plot holes. I just mean every derivative piece of drivel that oozes out of the screen. And that's really what the movie is. There's nothing really, there's nothing original about it, except maybe the the fact that it looks good for something so brainless. Uh, yeah, it just couldn't, I just couldn't get by it. And I walked out of the movie just being like, that fucking sucked. And I shouted it, not really shouted it, but I said it quite loudly to all of the young women who are passing me <laughs> in this theater. You just wow. turned into like a subway mutterer, but instead of I, the yeah, I was, coming, you're like, just so you know, that movie sucked. That was a bad not film. Not to them. It was to my husband, but like not in a quiet way, in a like angry critic way. Um, so yeah, I think just, you would have loved oh. the girls who sat behind me in the theater when I was oh. watching this. Because why? Beca- this is not a spoiler, but when when the movie fades out, Right. One of them mm-hmm. said very loudly, that fucking scream better come back because. <laughs> and then when uh, the title eventually came up, she said, girl, it's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> and I then said I was that just like, that in. was it. That's like my review is, yeah, it's time to go. Um, yeah. I yeah just, I, uh, uh, there are things that are good about it. Like Florence can't give a bad performance. But my God, if they could have thrown more tropes at this, like, listen, I know that Avatar is a, it's like trope city. There's no part of that movie that isn't a trope. Really talk about tropes, you Avatar loving son of a gun. (laughs) You know, but like, at least I know what I'm getting with that. With this, you're just like, oh, this was completely pointless and lacked all brain cells. Like, you think you're saying something with this movie? Yeah, really this is the movie that it's it's like when you go to a, a party and like a friend is like very enthusiastically saying something and you're just you you don't know how to like tell them like shut the fuck up, Don. Like that's not as deep as you think it is. <laughs> um, oh, I do. <laughs> yeah. Um this movie this movie's a lot like that. Uh I I I didn't uh, the only reason I did not specifically guess the entire ending of this movie is because it's very dumb. Um, there's an episode of a television series called Smart Guy, <laughs> which I looked up so I could find the title of it. Um, <clears throat> this was actually a show that I loved as a kid. Uh, I think I watched it, I, I guess, like on probably the Disney Channel or something. I don't know. What did you relate to the smart guy? No, I <laughs> I actually related to like his his like brother who is like constantly like a little dumber than him or a lot dumber than him. <laughs> But there's an episode that I think about a weird amount for this TV show that I feel like no one's spoken out loud in a while. Um, but the the smart guy of the title, I believe his character's name is TJ. Um, he is going to play chess against like a deep blue-esque computer, right? And he is worried that he's not going to be able to defeat this computer. And his older brother, who's not a smart guy, 
um, is not the titular smart guy. And he is like, I want to help you. Like, I'll play a game of chess with you. Like, maybe you'll get you out of your head. And he opens with a completely stupid move. Like, it is it is a move that is allowable, but is not the type of move that anyone who's good at chess would ever make. And this, in, in, in denigrating the move that his older brother has made, uh, TJ comes to understand that the best way to beat the computer is to play nonsensically. So that this machine that is built to make intelligent choices has no means of of combating him. And I think it eventually shorts out. And that is how I felt as this movie started to play out its endgame. Um, that the only reason it tricked me is because it played so stupidly. And it was so fucking <laughs> awful that I just, I never believed that a screenplay that made those choices could get produced at this level with this much talent behind it. Um, Bingo. It's um it's a really stupid movie. I actually for a second thought that it was going to go the more interesting direction. And I think we're going to have an interesting spoiler section because there there are hypothetical ways this movie could go that I think would actually say a lot more about our modern society than what this movie decides to say, which is probably something that my 6-year-old daughter could tell you. Like this like it's it's weird that again that this much was put behind what is a concept that was already played out in like the 70s. Yeah, it's, seriously. It's bizarre to me. And and not only that, but the the editing is bizarre. The the ramping up to like the the sense of unease and the uncertainty is very bizarre. It doesn't feel like the movie ever takes time to play in its world in a way that like would make the sudden turn It just into jumps par- in it jumps into it the does. weirdness and you're yeah, like, yeah, it, it does it 15 minutes in. Like I was kind of clocking it and I was just like, Oh, we're like, when doing does she this already. Eggs, right. Like, cause right. It, that, right. There's no lead be, up to it. Right. That should be like a very like deep in the movie. Like, Oh my God, like what's happening. But then they don't even, and I don't, you know, I joked that we were going to have to talk about this movie for 12 hours. We're not actually going to do that, but we could because once it does explicate what it's doing, all of the choices that it made to tip its hand make even less sense. Forget about that. Just how repetitive is it? Well, it's, it doesn't uh, yeah, actually it's, move forward. It just it plateaus and then it goes straight for the kill. And you're like, but so the I movie just got is, bored. I was is, getting sleepy. Yeah, it's Florence Pugh uh, discovers a disturbing thing, looks concerned cut to her being fine. Uh, mm-hmm. And then that just happens over and over and over and over again. And it's not like there's no it's not an escalation. amp up. Yeah, there's no escalation. And then it like finally seems like something's going to happen. Like, oh my God, it's like this. But then like it basically, <laughs> that's when it's like over. Um, it's very odd. It's, 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 uh, it's baffling in all honesty. And I, I don't understand uh, people even being slightly okay with it. So this is fun. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for our guests and for Bill, I guess, to a lesser extent <laughs> to talk about this. Um, I think everything you're saying is true, yay. but like, <laughs> I, I still think it was somehow good <laughs> or like, I, I didn't leave it angry. I was like, well, that made no sense, but you know, that it somehow was still fun. Was it fun because it? of the, 
what you described as being an event film, like it had all of this ballyhoo behind it. Would it have been fun without any publicity issues? It might have been less fun, I think. I, I would agree with that. <laughs> but you you still have, like you mentioned that girl behind you, like my screening was full of Harry Styles fans. They were very vocal and I think that added to it too. And I don't know, like it wasn't stupid in the way that makes me mad, I guess. It was stupid in a different way. <laughs> yeah, I ple- I appreciate plenty of stupid movies. I get it. <laughs> I no, I do. Like I there know, are so but... many movies that I like where I'm like, that was like fucking Avatar. dumb. Yes, exactly. That is a stupid movie, but like you'll appreciate it. this, Robin. Avatar, I, I can't forgive for not being more stupid because the whole point of that movie is that like he gets to take over the Avatar because his like science dork twin brother died, so they have like <laughs> like the same DNA, right? Mm-hmm. And so the entire movie, I'm like, at some point, Major General fucking Scarface or whatever the shit his name is, is going to say like, you know, blah, or some, or whatever. I killed your brother because I didn't want a pansy ass scientist in this avatar. I wanted a jarhead and you are just as much of a bleeding heart as he was. And I was like, give me that twist where we find out. That this was all a part of a plan. And no, it's literally just like, no, this is all an accident. And I was like, come yeah. on, just go the extra step. Be extra stupid. Ugh. Yeah, you want to That's kind of how I felt stupider. about this movie. How could it have been any stupider, though? This Okay, so I actually, I don't know. I have a controversial, like, rewrite pitch for this movie that I think would make it more incendiary, but probably also more interesting. Yeah, but we can't do that until we're into spoilers. No, so, so why don't we I've go into spoilers? About, well, no, first I was going to say everyone who said anything nice about this score is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this score so, is awful. Um, the the Tuvian throat singing slash breath play, whatever. That's not the. Oh, yeah. I meant that, to use. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it okay. was like yeah, men no, all I, over I, again. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Yep. Well, no, again, so the White Lotus is this. It's a. Is a. It was supposed to be like a one off series, but I think they're doing a second season. Um, That's how all these things are. Yeah. Yeah, it's I know. coming back on my birthday. Oh, sweet. When is that? October 30th. <gasps> oh, shit. Well, purchase night. Nice. Um, I. Uh, what was I going to say? So the White Lotus had this very interesting score that was a lot of that like deep breathing. And it really added to the sense of like, um, like this is going to sound like stupid menace. as shit. Well, no breathless, like almost out of control. Like, Oh my God, what's happening. But this movie, it was supposed to be like, Oh my God. Like, huh, huh. it was more like gasping in shock than like moving breathlessly. Like, you know, hanging on by the skinnier teeth. This movie was a lot more like, oh, my God, can you believe it? Whoa, what's happening? The eggs are empty. <laughs> this man's trying to mash potatoes with a decanter because he's a fucking moron. <laughs> okay, can I just step back and also say I understand. Oh, this is like a spoiler, but it's not really a spoiler. I understand why <laughs> they make the needle drop choices that they do ultimately and yet I hated every single one of them because it was just too fucking obvious. And I and again, I get it. And not like, in a fun way like flight. Not in a fun <laughs> way at all. It was just like 
hammering you over the head. Uh, it reminded me of the scene in Handmaid's Tale when they play You Don't Own Me and it's just like hammering you to death with its own theme. That's how I felt about this music. It's like, let's evoke the 50s. Let's give you the most 50s songs that you've ever heard in your fucking life. It is. It truly is like a, a tightrope act, like a high wire act of the greatest uh, dexterity to drop needles that are really on the nose. Like flight gets away with it because it's awesome and it's got Denzel Washington in it. And I like I always think about the end of mother exclamation point. Um where they play uh the, Mother Don't They Know It. Yeah. I always think about the end of Mother when they play <laughs> Don't They Know It's the End of the World. Um Ugh. which I fucking loved. I love that movie. I love that song choice. I'll never not be able to think of that song or hear that think of that movie when I hear that song. And they play it in this movie and I just got angry. <laughs> and I just like there is there is an art form to the the selection of on the nose needle drops, and I don't think this movie threads that needle drop. So you're saying it's bad? It is, yes, it's quite bad. Okay, it's not been clear that I believe that this movie is bad. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes you you circle back where it's like the logic just you know it's like going from communist to fascist. Like I don't know where you're going to end up. Yeah, I will also mm-hmm. say that um, this movie proves that The Matrix is the worst thing to ever happen to civilization. <laughs> I've, I've I've been holding that card pretty close to the vest, but I'm I'm ready to say that uh, The Matrix has fucked everything up, and we need to go back in time and unmake it. Mm, no, hell no. That's <laughs> that's the wrong opinion. Plato's cave was the worst thing that ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we have any Fire. non-spoilery things to say before we jump into this? Uh, the movie should was boring as hell and I fell asleep. <laughs> should we talk about the acting? No. I mean, sure. I don't know. I, I love Chris Pine. I think he's doing a serviceable job in this. It also seems like at times he might be confused as to what he's doing. <laughs> Um, I think I think several of the actors here are, are kind of confused. What what I found interesting was that uh, it, it, Nick Kroll is in this film, <laughs> and, and I heard more of it. I you heard see who cast it, Allison Jones. That's why you saw like that's why half the movie is comedians. I I don't know who it that is. Be. More comedians. Um, anyways, so he's. I've heard a criticism that the a good indication that the filmmakers didn't know what they were doing with this film is that they cast him and he isn't like allowed to be funny in this. And I really like push back on this. And I had this conversation with my wife. What, what did I say that you said that to? Oh, you said something about him not being funny or not being able to be in, in this film. Yes. You no, think? Oh, you think, think he's funny, he's funny in, this in this film? There's a point okay. where he's like, where the new guy is yeah, like, oh, I haven't really gotten to talk to Frank much, and Nick Kroll's just like, do you think you deserve to talk to Frank? Do you think you should be talking to Frank? And I was just like, oh, hey, whoa, calm down, Ruxin. Like, you don't need to, <laughs> you don't need to razz the new guy so much. I kept expecting him to be like, nah, I'm just fucking with you, new guy. But instead, I he's serious, which only makes it more funny. Okay, so him, but he's being serious is is a different tone than him being funny, he right? Is so those, those are those are different. Being hilarious, 
Correct. Okay. So that's that's a different way than most comedians are utilized in a it, in a film, right? They're used to be funny, right? Just flat out. <laughs> I don't know. Have you so, ever seen Night of Cups where you have all those comedians walking around and they're all very I've confused. never seen Night of Cups. Really? Were you not on the podcast for that one? <laughs> No, I wasn't. Um, but what what I kind of push back against is I find it interesting that if your criticism of this film is why would you cast Nick Kroll and then not let him be funny? My my kind of counter argument to that is why are you pigeonholing him like can he not be in a dramatic film and just be dramatic? Can he not be something else than just the wacky, funny guy that's got like, you know, big think, like antics? Like, no, he well, can, I would he think can if you do stuff, to do that. Then you'd need to have him be in a bigger role where it was like, why? I don't, cause it just makes sense. Cause like the, if the, whether you want to believe so or not, actors are hardly, this is going to sound terrible. Actors are hardly people when we see them on screen. They are an amalgamation of our understanding of them that they can either play into or against. And so when you watch a movie like, I don't know, Dead Poets Society, you are watching that movie through the filter of everything that you already know about Robin Williams. And mm-hmm. he is masterful at, therefore, playing both the comedy and the surprising depths of, of Professor Keating. Nick Kroll shows up in this movie, doesn't have enough time to reset your expectations. He can only live within them, which is why maybe he wasn't trying to be funny when he was razzing the new guy. But it was hilarious to me because all I have are my memories of him beating, like verbally beating the shit out of all of his friends in the league. Mm-hmm. For so, sure. Like that's that's it. That, that's yeah. Like yeah, I agree. With I you. mean, frankly, he just doesn't have much to do. Yeah, no, I think that the movie doesn't do him the favor of allowing him to be serious of like, that's really what they're going for. I mean, that's that's fair. And that's that's a completely different discussion. But I I just found it interesting that someone would criticize the film for not allowing him to be funny. And I'm just like, you know, and, and Robin Williams is a perfect example. That's who I brought up in Goodwill Hunting. And he's he's hardly funny in that film at all, but he's incredible. Right, and again, I'm he just has like more time and and you know for sure to be in that more and and to to build on that. But I, I don't think I don't think that casting someone that is necessarily known as being funny and putting them in a dramatic role is like a failure as a filmmaker. Like well, that, it would be that the casting seems... director who would be the failure in this point. But yeah, I understand. Yeah. But I do think that in this, it like generally it's not a failure. In this case, it, it to me, it is a failure. The way that he's deployed in this film. Despite the fact that I find him funny. I mean, I guess it all depends on what their impulse was. Because if they wanted him to be funny, I think he nailed it. Well, and that's the other question is that this film is it's very easy to play fast and loose with what it was the intention versus what is the end result. Well, especially and because and this is, this it, is actually a great point where we can move into spoilers. If we really want to like unpack what Kroll is doing versus what everyone else is doing. Let's do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Are we all, are we all cool with that? Heather, it sounded like you were trying to say one more thing before we. Uh, no, we can move into spoilers. Okay. So like in my head, like Kroll is perfectly playing like the aggro YouTube comments guy. 
Sure. Like, you know, this this fucking, you know, newbie scrub with like zero karma points in this chat room just walked <laughs> in and was like, oh, like, yeah, I love Frank is great, but I haven't gotten a chance to like I just become became a patron. I just subscribed to his Substack, but like I haven't had a chance to talk with him yet. And Nick Kroll is like an OG like mod who like probably set up this server and was like, you think you fucking get to talk to Frank right away? No, fuck you, man. Like, you've barely been here. Like, I bet you don't even have a yearly subscription. I bet you're month to month. Save 20%. Re-up for 12 <laughs> months. Like, and I think we need more of the people playing that and breaking the reality in that way. And, like, because, like, the, the men know what's going on in this movie, which is that they're in a computer simulation. <laughs> God, oh my God. They're in a computer that you enter by laying in a dirty bed with your eyes clipped open and laser beams shooting into your eyes. Jesus fucking Christ, this fucking And movie. this is why I said The Matrix ruined the world forever. Because a better movie would just have them be in the literal fucking desert. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is a YouTube influencer named Teal Swan who moved a bunch of her people into the jungle after telling a woman to kill herself and she did it. You can, people move across the world to follow their influencer gurus. You could totally have this just be a real place where the men have to leave to go work in a hidden server farm, mining Bitcoin or something for this dick or like (laughs) making like posts and like Bumping up his cred on whatever social media network, like have 17 burner and sock puppet accounts and defend him online, you know, but instead they're like, no, it's so much easier if in addition to mind melting these women in reality, I guess we also then have to take up real estate in an American city to fucking have them in this stupid goddamn apparently glitchy as shit virtual world. Where we spent, I have to assume, millions of dollars creating the brain tapping software and hardware to do this. But we only paid the writer to come up with three different honeymoon destinations. (laughs) This movie is so fucking stupid. Oh my god, it's so dumb. It's It's so so dumb. dumb. Let's take the worst Black Mirror episodes smash them up with WandaVision and then <laughs> sprinkle a little bit of Stepford Wives. Wow, what an original concept. Yeah, th- and uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, now that I've had my little rant and I need to take a breath, uh, Heather, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I think all of that stuff is, as Robin was saying earlier, it's all a screenwriting problem. So like my thing talking about the acting is like everyone was just going off of what was there. So, and I just, I wish there had been more there, but it's like hard. That's kind of the fundamental. Including the director. She's like (laughs) giving a performance on nothing at all. Nothing (laughs) at all. Oh, what did you guys think of Olivia Wilde also? Um, My husband called her Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> he just thought she looked yes! crazy. <laughs> oh, this is why I love she, she does have like a, a vixen face, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it again, like it Sunset goes like Boulevard, extra hard. Like, <laughs> it's the pick 
She's She's like all eyeliner in this movie. You know that scene where, (laughs) which usually is my vibe, and I would fall in love with her immediately. But no, (laughs) I'm just gonna make you marry um like an avatar of just a cigarette and an eyeliner wing, and that's your wife. Honestly, (laughs) ten years ago, I would have said yes. I have a child now, though, so it can't be a cigarette. (laughs) The cigarette can't be its mother. So I didn't think that Harry Styles was bad per se i would say that he was nothing i think that okay all right all right uh, i don't want to take over by just talking about all the things i think the movie should have done however his nothing performance for a while made me think that he was the robot or the sub like I okay okay I I gotta I gotta get this off because yes uh, there is a sequence when he's doing the cartwheels like dancing on the thing that I was like oh so they're all like robotic and Chris Pine is is controlling them and turns out that's not true I guess he's able to just do endless cartwheels because you know it's a simulation and it's the matrix and you know is that air you're breathing but dollars for the uh, (laughs) Uh, he does he does look a little out of breath and he does get a little squirrely at times and i'm like so what the fuck is going on like is he out of breath or is he not i assume that they have to have some uh this is the i don't know if it's for the benefit of the people living in the simulation or for our benefit as the audience that they have to have there must be a physiological reality close to human reality so that their mind doesn't rebel or something, you know, like, well, I mean, they they do mention, they do mention the fact that if you, if the males in this show or in this film, uh, die in the, I don't even know what the fuck. Yeah. In the, that they die. Oh my God. Like, yeah. Again, explain that one to me. Everything. Fucking um, have no idea. <laughs> so your mind makes it real. Don't we remember what the Matrix said? Your yeah, but why not the real, women? Robin? Well, that's why the not thing. the women? I'm, I think that they pro- the women would probably die too. I don't know why Olivia Wilde says it quite the way she does. I don't know. It's so the fucking. And she's the director. She's the director. She she should know. Like she's literally <laughs> telling you that the women don't die, and you're like, I don't fucking believe her. So here's the <laughs> like I what mean, I would assume that. Well, first of all, she's not playing the director in the movie, but the I movie, understand. But says, in reality, in reality, if you stab a while, you know, like what. What are we doing? I don't know. But so what I was going to say, I can't even remember what I was going to say now. What we're talking about, the fact that he dies and he's out of breath and he's uh, the reality yeah. makes it real. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but I, like, can't I, I, I can I accept that. Okay. Anyways, the other thing that I wanted to mention was his British accent comes and goes. Yes. And it, I noticed it comes out when he is being like trying to wrangle Florence Pugh and trying to be like in dramatic moments, his, his British accent comes out, but everybody in this reality knows that he's British. Right. But he doesn't have a British accent. 
in the apartment sequences and he doesn't have a British accent when he's just talking normal. So I'm like, okay, so all of these things are a choice that they decided in editing to take out his British accent, right? Because for most of the British actors out there, like you don't just tell them like well, so talk like say, an American. Well, like they, you have to, you have to literally tell them to in do the movie, that. He's an American, but he has chosen in, in the simulation to be British. Correct. Right. But why doesn't he have a, like, because he's a it fucking should be, terrible actor. And I'm not saying it Harry should Styles be flipped. a terrible actor. I'm saying that the, the character is a terrible actor. Flipped how? What do you mean flip? So I think that he should have, if he's British in in the reality of this this perfect world, right? Then he should have a British accent when he's talking normal, but it should fade away when he's dramatic because he's not fucking British, right? And so he's gotta he's gotta think extra hard about keeping that British accent. So it should break Maybe when he's, he's being dramatic. I think he has to be American for the story though. He's like a disenfranchised you American incel. They don't have British incels? <laughs> and it's a, it's an American story. Canada, the dude in Canada who ran over a bunch of people with his van was Canadian. The violent <laughs> I, incel I, is I, not a purely American construct. Fucking Jordan so, Peterson, who's apparently the, the, the inspiration for Chris Pine's character, is a Canadian. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I think I understand what she's saying, though, is she's saying it's it's set in America like it would be weird if if he was just randomly British. And I don't I don't find any umbrage with that. Like, I, I don't I'm I'm not going to argue against that. What I would argue against, though, is then he should be putting on a British accent right in in the false reality world. And then during dramatic sequences, he should be breaking out of that. Like it should be something that it should be done the opposite direction that it is. Well, maybe he's so I don't understand Guy Ritchie films. And so he's better <laughs> at pretending to be British when he's angry because that's like yeah, that does- he's going to <laughs> that's, like, yeah, that's, like when, when I used that's to wild. Put, when I used to put on a Scottish accent, right. To, to trick people because I was an asshole teenager. I had to say lines from train spotting in order to adjust my thought and my word comprehension and everything to a Scottish thing. So like I would be able to talk normally after I did that. But for the first like 10 minutes, I had to like talk with friends elsewhere about like heroin and stealing stuff. And then I could come out and pretend to be a normal person. So like you the know, memoirs of Brian. <laughs> I know, right? It's real fucked up. Um, I once spent an entire <laughs> week at a Boy Scout camp pretending to be Irish, and no one ever figured it Are out. Are you a sociopath? Uh, probably. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm um, getting that. <laughs> <laughs> getting those vibes. Uh, ten years on this podcast, and the truth finally comes out. Um. Yeah, I am. So first of all, he's not really an incel because he is clearly in a committed relationship with Florence Pugh in the real world. Okay, well, that's 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 all like, okay, what is what is the definition of an incel versus uh, like what has it turned voluntarily celibate? And it is usually someone who is incapable of entering into a sexual relationship with a woman or a man, I guess. But and, and usually 
So the, the term began, I believe it was uh, coined by a trans activist who was talking about how difficult it was for some trans people to enter into a sexual relationship because it was difficult to find partners who would accept them. And so it actually began as a kind of progressive term for people who, in whatever level of transition, were having trouble finding that. But it got, you could say, co-opted or colonized or just broadly applied to anyone who was having trouble getting laid which is fine. At the same time, people who started talking about it were young men who couldn't do it for a number of reasons. Now, here's where it gets more complicated because some of those people are fucking assholes who probably don't deserve to be in a relationship, but who believe that they are owed sex through whatever reason. At the same time, some of these people are uh, mentally unwell um, they have a level of autism that makes it very difficult for them to find someone that they can bond with and like, you know, experience sex in that way. Some people who are disabled and who feel that they are unattractive and therefore never even try. So the concept of an incel is actually a very wide ranging thing. There is a specific societal shorthand to the concept of an incel now, though, that just means a dude who hates women. Yeah, and I think he still qualifies as an incel. I think that he is a misogynist. I don't think he counts as an incel. And this is the, well, this is the problem. Like, do we want to be right or do we just want to, like, say words? (laughs) And I think Uh, that if I were to ask the writer of this movie that question, they would say, I want to say words. I want to be able to write a tweet and get a thousand likes and a bunch of retweets. And that's all. That's all I need. I don't need to be correct. I don't need to actually say anything. I just need the crowd to love me. And this movie is perfect for that. So if if you say that he can't possibly be an incel because he's currently in a committed relationship, my my defense of that word and that utilization here is how long do we think he's going to be in a committed relationship in the reality of the apartment sequence that we see it's not going to be very long is that i don't even know and this is how poorly this movie is constructed and then i'd love to hear from robin or heather i don't even know if at the time when he decides to kidnap or shanghai Florence Pugh into this reality if they are still together. Like, I, I yeah, don't know. If I, I, don't, I, have no idea. I, I assume they were, but I agree that we really don't know a lot about um, their relationship. I, yeah. I, mean, I think it, it would, well, it would take more. It would take more like, like head games to get her to accept that they well, were, they were back in a relationship. No. Cause she doesn't have any idea. It wouldn't take anything. You could take a stranger and do this to them. I, like this, this, I, I, this if, requires... if you say so, Brian. Sure. No, there, there was a line in the movie where where they're like, "Do you have? Do you know this person, or did you just steal right, them, or something?" Relationship. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Perfect. Like, yeah. That's yeah. Like, Is, isn't that like a throwaway line though? That's literally that's thin, every like... explanation we get as to this fucking world that they've created is a throwaway line. I don't even know if they're feeding her. Like, they say something about the physical upkeep of the whatever, but does that mean that, like... You see him, like, squeezing the water into her mouth? Mm -hmm. Wait, but that's only when he's outside. So for, like, 18 hours a day, is she just, like, drying out? 
Yeah, I think I don't, so. I don't know. I don't know if you know this, Brian, but there are a lot of people out there that don't drink a lot of water throughout the day. Well, I'm talking about the <laughs> fact that her eyes are pried open, Billiam. Like this, this, she's not I, eating I anything. Think I don't think it's bad for her. It's it's not good for her. No, to be it's like not. That. It's, it's very atrophying. <laughs> it's such a I think, stupid fucking move to not just have it be that she has been brainwashed like the Manchurian candidate and is hypnotized in in the desert somewhere. You know? Like, why was this the it's best idea? A, it was such a waste of its own setting. It was terrible. Like, I, th- I think it it is... It's trendy. It's the metaverse and Black Mirror. Like, they wanted to do mm-hmm. something with tech. They didn't but just like, want it to be. They don't say um, anything about tech. Like, right? They, they don't. Like, <laughs> like that's, the, that's the problem. Okay, and here's the thing. Again, I'm, I didn't... Uh, I just have to say it. All right, so there's a great show called Severance, right? And the whole concept... Isn't it if we all seen Severance? Oh, no. Mm-hmm. No, don't spoil Severance. Oh, shit, boss. I'm yes. not going to spoil it. I will, however, have to talk about the, Why the, can can you not talk about no, anything else to. except I severance? I Excellent. To, I have okay. to at least say what I want to see severance. Severances, Bill. Do you understand that in severance people have? I have no idea about severance. No, I don't know anything about severance. I I don't want to talk about severance. Respect this is his me. boundaries. Yeah, this is me literally saying, let's not do this. I'm talk gonna, about like you can no, you can no. I'm the world is your oyster. Except. Except no, I'm telling severance. you what severance okay, is. Okay, I'm just I'm just gonna just beat that in five know. minutes. I don't care. If you want to see severance, you probably know that the show is about a person who undergoes a procedure wherein their memories are bifurcated so they don't have to remember being at work. And the show interrogates what a horrifying thing that would be for the you that's at work. But it also looks at the people who aren't at work. And it makes you try to understand why they would want to do this. And it's very morally gray. And it's very terrifying. And I think that the way that this movie makes sense, if it's really trying to say something about technology and our relationship with our modern condition, is if this is a thing that literally everyone has gone into voluntarily. And that the the issue that Florence Pugh is having is that her secondary self subconsciously does still desire the old life that she was living. I still think that would have been better. That would be better. That's the only way. I mean, what was the whole point of the friend? Well, uh, Heather, what were you saying? So what would the movie be saying then? So so are you familiar? It's a good thing. I'm so online. It really is. (laughs) Are you familiar with the concept of the trad wife? Yes. Okay, I think it would be saying that we all may desire, like, because of the way that if you really wanted to, like, make it uh, palatable to, like, you know, what we would reductively call, like, liberal Hollywood sensibilities, capitalism is grinding us all down and we're all very unhappy because we are grist for the mill to make profit for billionaires, right? Mm -hmm. And... What the movie could then say is that this might make people believe that we need to go back to another time. Perhaps we need to try to, I don't know, make America great again. (laughs) And so even women so demoralized by the broken promises of a feminist ideal that was co-opted to create more capital under our system 
would desire to return to the home and be a housewife and be a home worker who doesn't have to do anything but cook and clean and get taken care of by a man who can support a whole family on a single salary, right? And so you have Florence Pugh, who's like a doctor who's working fucking 36 hour shifts. And this is what she wanted. This is what her mother was fighting for. But she's exhausted and she thinks it was a mistake. And so she voluntarily goes to have her memory erased and to be placed into this other world that is a physical reality so that she can not have to know the pain of modern life and can live out this Pleasantville-esque new reality. But the problem is that you can't go back and that like the emptiness of this new world would cause her subconscious old self to rebel and try to reassert itself. And the movie would probably end by saying, we're just generally fucked. It wasn't good (laughs) back then. It's not good now. We can try, but you have to find the joy in the empty, repetitive existence. Think about it like that fucking movie by the guy who married his daughter, um, Midnight in Paris, (laughs) where he goes back to the 20s and then just, just realizes that the woman that he's in love with there wants to go back to the Gilded Age or whatever, right? It's never going to be okay. It's never, it was never fine. It's always sucked. And no matter what people are telling you, that's not the way to make it better. And I think that that's more interesting, this idea of being broken by a system and seduced by a reductive previous mindset that you don't even fully comprehend because you don't live in it. And almost everyone who did live in it that's still alive is either super old or was a child back then. And so you just, it's never going to work. You just have to find the happiness in what you're doing or break the system that you're in rather than trying to go back. You're not Cortez burning, or you have to be Cortez burning the ships. You cannot hope to go back to some other thing. You have to try to make something better. And if it were her living with some robot husband who looks like Harry Styles and fucking goes down on her immediately upon getting home and cannot wait to finger her. Like it would make a little more sense than that. She's a doctor who got like knocked out by her like shitty boyfriend or husband or whatever and forced into this simulation against her will. Yeah. I mean, I can, (laughs) I can processing. (laughs) I, I think that's a good pitch for this. And I think you're right that it was, like its critique was missing an element because it it just are they just saying the same thing like oh it's stifling to be a housewife like i agree there should it should have more to say than that right what it and, seems to be trying to say is that like um like your shitty boyfriend wants to make you a housewife but like if you like and this is, I hate that I can say this, but if you scroll through TikTok, there are people who I want don't. that. It, there I are don't people want who to. want that. The trad wife aesthetic exists. The concept of these people who want to be stay-at-home moms, who believe that feminism has failed them, exists. And a younger generation is saying that too. And a more interesting movie would would try to engage with a woman who earnestly believes that 
rather than just say that she is being submitted into old roles through the violence of a man who has been, you know, indoctrinated by some pseudo intellectual. I do like the idea of the trad wife being a much more potent critique. Like if they had used that instead of just retreading what we have seen a billion times. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one thing that's interesting that we're missing here is specifically about Pew's character. Now, some of the other women in this in this film don't, you know, don't follow the same path, but she isn't a stay-at-home mom. She has no kids. And so it's very weird to put that kind of lens on things when it's like, wait, like, why do you have to stay at home if you're single? You know, if you if you don't have children like like there is a whole outset, especially during the pandemic that happened when, you know, the child care system fell on its face because you know kids would spread covid like like a like a like a swarm right and it's like oh yeah and a lot of parents were forced to just have their children at home and they were like this is a fucking nightmare because both of us work and we're working from home and we have our kids like this is insane and so it it put into kind of reality like oh yeah like there's a reason why childcare a is very expensive and b why a long time ago not that long ago you know 50 some odd years ago it wasn't uncommon to see women or even men stay at home to raise you know, middle hopefully, class, hopefully more than one kid. But, you know, OK, if if you got your hands full with one kid, yeah, OK, fine. You know, like I get it. So, you know, I see this a lot where, you know, a lot of my friends are starting to have kids and a lot of them didn't stop at one <laughs> because it's like if I'm going to take it's kind of like the puppy syndrome. If you got one dog, two dogs, not that much harder. Right. As a person who recently got a second dog, that very much depends on the dog. Correct. It very much depends on the child. And you have very much made it very obvious that uh, your child seems to be a saint and everybody else's children seems to be little little demon spawns. I would say that almost every person I know with a kid, I like their kid, which I did not think would be the case when Hmm. I was becoming a father. My my greatest fear was. I'm going to fucking hate every kid I meet. Like every other (laughs) child is going to be the worst. But like I can't think of one of Cora's friends where if she were like X wants to come over and like, you know, her parents can't come and you're just going to have to watch both of us where I wouldn't be like, I'm totally fine with that. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like I because I was really worried about that. That whole like, uh oh, like every other kid's going to suck and I'm going to hate all the parents. But no, I love it. I've, I've, I mean, I've met some kids that I, I don't despise, but, you know, I, I'm also I'm also not like running out there and being like, let me watch your kid for eight hours. Like, I'm not, no. like offering. I, but if someone said, like, <laughs> hey, my daughter wants to come over to your house, but I can't come. Like, would you be OK watching them for like a couple hours? And I'd be like, yeah, totally. Yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah. But that being said, I think it's interesting that this film's kind of reality is like 
wouldn't you want to be a how like look how much work it is to take care of this single family house and it's just like ah Maybe that's the problem. Maybe if she had a kid to occupy a little more time, she wouldn't have gotten so thinky. And <laughs> Do you buy her as a surgeon? Uh, Why not? Because she looks like she's about 18 years old. I was about to say because she looks Robin. like 18-year-old. Um, Doogie Hauser was a surgeon. Right? <laughs> True. Doctor Hauser. The good doctor looks like he's like twelve years old because Freddie Highmore is a Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, prestige remake of Doogie Hauser starring Florence Pugh. Gender flipped. <laughs> they just did a remake. It was called Doogie Hamehameha. Oh, right. She was like Hawaiian, oh, really? right? I'm pretty sure. Wait, I'm gonna. Are, are you fucking with that. me? Is this no. a real thing? It, I'm. Let me Google it because I'm not sure if I said it correctly. It, Oops. I I know that you are right because I think there was actually a a um a controversy because she was like Polynesian but not like Hawaiian Hawaiian or something. Oh, so actress. she's the rock but not not right. Jason Momoa. It's just like, "Oh, you're from one of those islands in the Pacific. You can be whatever we need you to be." I I was incorrect. Uh-huh. It's Doogie Kamealoha. MD. Oh, wow, I completely missed that. Wow. This is this is the state of and I assume this I was is Disney say, Plus, baby. What, oh, what, oh, what, is like, what is boner called on that? Uh, if there is even indeed a boner, <laughs> I am seeing wow. somebody named Kia. Non-gender specific erection. <laughs> Doogie Kamealoa, MD. How many seasons? Uh, is there a Dr. Boner? Boner was just like his friend from childhood who like yeah. still, still like went to high school. Super Italian friend. Who was yes. not the well, smart guy. Yes. No, he, he Boner. Was... <laughs> no, that's not Boner. Boner's from, um, my God, what's that show called that I I'm loved? I'm Googling it. So. No, no, no. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, Heather. Boner was, I don't think Boner was on the show. Boner oh, was. Okay. We Boner have said was Boner. Yeah. If, if, you, if you Google Boner Doogie oh Hauser, you're going to get some weird <laughs> fanfic. Let's get back to the movie. Don't worry, show Boner. With that guy who became super religious. And then there was a. Wait, chick you think it was the, Family Matters? No. Yes. Step by step? No. Wow. Growing pains. <laughs> no. Growing no, pains. No. That's the guy no, who became religious. But I know a lot, a lot of them became religious. Uh, not. Yeah, because yeah, being was, a child yeah, star thing. is fucking terrible for you. Hold on. But the one in Doogie, I don't think his name was Boner, but he was just like the same character. <laughs> I know he's like, I know what you're talking about, Heather. Okay, I now uh, have the theme song for Step by Step stuck in my head. So step by step, day, day by day. day. Leo um, DiCaprio was in Growing Pains. I don't remember. Yes, that. he was. Oh, was he, he was the like guy that the adoptee. They found yeah. him in like yeah, a dumpster. He, he was like, like the from the streets. Cousin Oliver of the show. He was yeah, yeah Luke Brower from 1991 to 1992. Okay, so it was Max Casella that played Vincent Vinny Salvatore Del Pino, aka the super Italian friend. And what was that in? That was Doogie. Oh, that was in Doogie. The, the original Doogie. Why are we yeah. talking about Doogie? 
Because oh yeah, Florence, Florence Pugh. Pugh. Boner. It's, <laughs> it's Pugie Hauser. I'm calling it now. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> Kamea Aloha. Um, yeah. Pugie Kamea Aloha. The 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 Doogie Kamea Aloha was ten episodes. Okay, are they getting a second season or was it like a miniseries? That's nine uh, episodes too long. Did it end with her dying? <laughs> I don't. I Does think she, it was just one of those canceled shows. She had reverse progeria. Um, <laughs> she wasn't actually a child. She just looked like it. Well, um, actually, that's the whole thing with Max Casella is that he actually had the the one who played the friend on Doogie, the like short Italian kid, was much older than he appeared because he has some medical condition that uh, made it so that he went through oh, delayed like puberty. Similar, like similar, but not quite, I think was an endocrine issue, not a kidney oh, okay. issue, but he didn't go through puberty till he was like 25. I, I, um, I didn't know that. I also would just like to say that I looked it up and in Can't Hardly Wait, the uh, breakfast pastry was in fact a Pop-Tart. Mm, okay. So I was thinking of Mean Girls when I was thinking of Strudel. Yeah. Because he it's it's during his narration where he's talking about like why they were meant to be together. Mm-hmm. And he says she reaches into her bag and pulls out a strawberry Pop-Tart. The very same breakfast pastry I was consuming at that moment. The very same wow. breakfast pastry I was consuming at that moment. This is a very 90s movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Remember Love breakfast it. pastries? Breakfast pastries were the best. <sighs> I was just thinking about hot pockets. Um anyway. Hot pockets. So back to this piece of shit. Um <laughs> what were we even talking? How did we get on so, this? Okay, Florence I have Pugh a... cannot be believed as a, a person. Yeah. Also, Why as, is a, that? as a doctor, like yes, as a surgeon. As a the, oh, so not girl... because she's not smart, but just because she would be like barely in her residency. I yeah, but like okay, so the girls behind me. I listened to the girls behind me a lot because they were more interesting. Well, why wouldn't movie. you? Um, right. Yes. I listened the Greek chorus. I, I listened to women. I believe, I believe the girls behind Eat me in women. a movie theater. Um, so I, I almost, I like, I didn't say this to them obviously, but at some point when they saw her like in the surgery and then like in her scrubs, I was very clearly like, Oh, she's a surgeon. And then they both were like, Oh, she's a nurse. And I oh, wanted no. to turn around and be like, that's your internalized misogyny speaking. And that's why we have this movie to teach us feminisms. Yeah, they they call her a doctor though. They so, do because you know. then they have. I think that the movie itself realized that because then someone off screen is like, "What's up, Doctor Alice? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how did your surgery go?" I just I and I had I had this discussion with my wife where I was like, I find it hard to believe that a a surgeon. Uh, has to pull 36 hour shifts to then live in this shit box. But also, I don't know the economy of New York that well. Oh, I figured. They were um, in I assume that's New York. Oh, I didn't know where they were. I didn't assume it was New York. I thought it was. Chicago. I just. I just assume small shit box. It's got to be New York. Um, See, Bill, yeah, it would be a large shit box in if, Chicago. If this, no, if this were <laughs> ten to fifteen years ago, I think it would be New York. But I think nowadays we can expect our urban centers to be filmed in Chicago. I, I, I can, I can Not go Toronto. with that. Um, <laughs> but, but the other thing is. And Erica brought up a good point. And she was like, have you not been paying attention to the news? Uh, There's been a student debt crisis. And I was like, yes, yes. But also, 
you should be able to make enough money as a doctor to not like uh, if you're a live young in there. doctor, you would be very surprised. Yeah, I like, guess I, I guess you're just in a tremendous amount of debt. So that's just pitiful. yeah. I mean, I have <laughs> friends who are doctors who like live hand to mouth. The mean, the average surgeon's salary in Maryland, because I guess uh, Google's just keeping track of where I am, um, is four hundred twenty-eight. Oh, you, you set that permission on four hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars. But that. That's like Jesus for someone Christ. well into their career, not like a, a first year. Right. Resident. Yeah, that is a median. It says, median. No, it says the, and she's supporting her bastard the boyfriend. The median would be the number quantitatively in the center. This is the average, which is the sum of all divided by the number of all. Yes. Cool. Thank you for that. Thank you, um, <laughs> math boy. Well, Bill said the wrong thing. Um, wow. Well, I, I'm, I have a question. I'm very <laughs> exactly. invested in, in the girls who are sitting behind you now. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's invite them on this pod. I um, should have. I should have turned around <laughs> and been like, look, do you have Zoom? We need the voice of the people. <laughs> um, I wanted to know if they had a reaction when uh, Harry, when Harry Styles was revealed, like the, his real world face. Like his nasto hair. Yeah, his like neck beard and everything. <laughs> no, not really. Like they kind of made a noise face. about it, but I don't think I think they were definitely there for Harry. Can I just say that? I'm almost positive they were specifically there for Harry. Uh and yeah, they're young women. Yeah. First of all, chances are high. But yes. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. But, we're dealing yeah, no, with a they, reductive movie. They didn't they didn't really have that big of a reaction. They they okay. were like, oh, it's the modern world. Like this is is this like reality? Like what's happening? And then and then yeah, I think that I honestly think they were so blown away by how stupid the movie was that they like ceased to have like the good reactions they wanted to have and went only into the bad reactions. Like, do you know the scene where the, the plane crashes, which why is, yes. Pl- why did the plane crash? There's yeah, no fucking reason that to me. there. You can't, cannot be explained again. This is the jankiest, shittiest and I was uh, program reminded ever. Of the earthquakes. What, what were the earthquakes? I that guess were like the, it was probably him squeezing water into her mouth. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> no! It, it, it's 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 Chicago. Yeah, it's definitely Chicago. It's it's the what? It's the oh, main so line the or whatever. L? Oh, it's the L, L going by. Yeah. Oh, so wow. uh, all right. Anyway, that, that's hilarious. But I don't know. Um. Uh. So they when when she yeah. So she, uh, <laughs> Pew's Pew's one apartment is now tied to everybody else's reality. That like yes. it shakes everybody else's house too. <laughs> she's the it's dreamer. Like, it's like who's That's the problem? Yeah, who's, is that she's the one server is this? <laughs> Uh, like Inception. Oh, it was just so fucking black And that's mirror. why when she comes outside drenched in blood, every woman's like, oh my God. Yes, queen. Oh, Literally slay. Can we <laughs> talk about how Gemma Chan's character, number one, makes no fucking sense because they bring her out like she's important or something and then has nothing to do for the whole movie. She's and also that woman. Florence Pugh when she's teaching her ballet. Yeah. Um, and then this woman she, can't act, first of all. Like, she immediately took me out of the room, uh, out of the movie, uh, because she just is, like, so blank in the face. What's What's funny is that she is fantastic in this show called, I believe it's called Robots. Um, what? You mean humans? There's a yeah, show humans. Robots? Humans. Humans. Yeah, uh, sorry. That's no, the opposite yeah. of what you said. 
Uh, yeah, literally. Um, but yeah, she's fantastic in that show. And it's funny because, because she, she's so blank. That's okay. I now have like in my head, like I wrote this great script. It's called Robots. And it's like, nah, man, like that's not that. That TV show is going nowhere. <laughs> what you got to do with a TV show that's about robots. Right. But that's supposed to like call it shine humans. a light on humanity. So you got to flip that shit and call it humans. It's, it's, like, it's oh. ironic. Like if you made a show about angels, right? But you call it devils. It's like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> if you want your show who's, to be. Who's that comedian that's got the Reese's joke? <laughs> what? I, Wait, what'd you say? I was saying if you want your show to be instantly deeper, you take what it's about, right? But then you flip it. You flip mm-hmm. the thing. Anyway, um, <sighs> wait, what were we talking about? So for some fucking stupid ass reason, this goddamn computer program is like, oh, let's spawn a random encounter with a plane that's flying. <laughs> um, a plane that is exactly like the plane that that woman had when she walked into the desert with her boy that we took because fuck her. I don't know. <laughs> um, but we're going to leave the plane. And so then she walks into the desert and the girls behind me are like, are you fucking kidding me? Don't go there. (laughs) Like literally the scene before was her being like, remember when our friend walked into the desert and came out completely wrong? I'm going to go walk into the desert now too, for the exact same reason. And she goes up to the glass windows that are like reflective as fuck. And these girls were pissed off at how hard she was breathing. (laughs) They were like furious at how loud and how hard she was breathing. And I got it. Like it was annoying. And I was like, there's no need to like really lean into this, this much movie. Um, and then, uh, and then, and then I feel like that's the point at which the movie starts to put the heavy breathing into the soundtrack and the girls, every time the breathing came on to the, the soundtrack, they were not feeling it. Mitch, Mitch had burnt. Was the, uh, the comedian I was thinking about? And what was his uh, what what was his thing that made you think about it? Oh, he's he's got a Reese's Pieces joke, but he's also got like a, <laughs> a lot of other things. But he's he's known for like his short like kind of. You ever think about this? That's fucking crazy. And like that's kind My of his asked his me deal. If I wanted a frozen banana now, but I said no, but I want a regular banana later. So yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Everybody Mitch wants is, to be Mitch a race car driver. I want to be a race car passenger. <laughs> <laughs> My family actually like uh we have a, a couple of random in jokes that I would not expect with my like very conservative family. And one of them is how much my mother loves Mitch Hedberg. And any time that we have to go and wait at a restaurant, she brings up his bit about um, like the how club they call sandwiches. People, no, how they call people's names, and it's oh, like yeah. you know, you know, Smith party of two, and then the Smiths come up, and then they're like Dufresne party of three, Dufresne party of three, and then no one comes up, and they call it one more time, and then they just move on. And he's like, right, but what happened to the Dufresnes? No one gives a shit about them. They're in someone's trunk with duct tape over their mouths, and they're hungry. He caps it off by saying, like, Clark, search party of two. You can eat when you find the Dufresnes. (laughs) So, yeah, so every time we have to wait at a restaurant, my mother says you can eat when you find the Dufresnes. And I'm like, ah, I love you. 
Oh, people love their mothers. Yeah. What idiots. <laughs> Did you say idiots? What? Um. Just... <laughs> so, so, so let's but, just... like Robin, aren't you happy that you know now that you would be unhappy like living in a house with a husband? <laughs> um, I already live in an apartment with a husband. Right, and I and have this no movie is an L train come by. <laughs> if you live in a shithole apartment, you're happier. You're better off. I don't know. I thought about this a lot because one of the uh, classic refrains of my father toward the end of his life was that it was impossible for a family of three to live on one salary. And I, that was just not the way he grew up. And that was not the family that he, that was not the family life he intended for us. You know, he, he wanted to be able to be the, the sole breadwinner, um, not not to put down my mom or anything, but like he just not not to like oppress her, but because that was how he grew up. He felt like that was his duty. And also he you know, the women he married were ill. And so it wasn't just a question of, uh, you know, being the big man, but also, you know, taking it as taking it as part of your responsibility in life to care for uh a disabled wife or, or two disabled women that he married. Mm. And so, so I was thinking about that a lot with this movie because it is impossible for families to live in a, on a single salary um, at this, at this stage. And, and, you know, you can talk all about the sort of economic uh, roller coasters of the last 50 years, et cetera. And how does the Pax Americana fit into that? Like, there's all sorts of reasons why that's not the case. And so I think in some ways it is very attractive to idealize the imagined past of this, of really what was only available to a small subset of what yeah, mostly white middle-class families for like 20 years. Yeah. I mean, like, you could exactly. Like that's exactly. the craziest part. Like, like I, I listen to a lot of people with a lot of opinions and it's, it's interesting. <laughs> okay. <Including myself. laughs> well, it's, it's just interesting how many like weird overlaps and like cross wires there are between them. Cause there's so many people who are like, it's disgusting that we need to have like a two family household. Um, where like both parents work. So the kids, you know, have to go to like, you know, a non family member to be like raised, and like you couldn't tell like from me saying that if that's like a conservative or a liberal person, mm-hmm. like it's because it's a thing that weirdly they like sort of both agree upon. But at the same time, like there's a concept of like, well, it's not good to go back to when we only had one person making all the money because that person was usually the man and the woman was stuck in the house. And, and it's like right. financially abused in some way. Right. But at the same time, like legitimately. I would fucking love to not have to work. I would. And yeah. this is this is why I think the movie would be more interesting like this. Like I I understand that when people think of like the time period wherein one person was the breadwinner, it's a very easy for that to become an abusive relationship and it and it's it's not good for the women who would like to work that they were not allowed to work, right? Mm-hmm. Similarly, I would love to not have to work. I don't like my job. I don't enjoy it even like a little bit. Like I get very little satisfaction from doing it as well as I do. I was told the other day that I was going to be put on a special project and that something I'd written, it was basically going to become a template that we were going to use to get million dollar contracts for years to come. 
and I didn't care. All I wanted to do was walk my dog and mow my lawn and pick my daughter up from school. Like those were going to be the three best things I did that day. And I just would fucking kill (laughs) to remarry to a woman who was like an attorney or apparently a surgeon because they make quite a bit of money. Um, At this one, though. And you would be a stay-at-home dad. Not Florence Pugh. Yeah, I'd be a stay-at-home dad in a heartbeat. Yeah. She could even come preloaded with a kid if she wanted. I would be down. Preloaded. Preloaded. Yeah, I come preloaded with one child. I am a a package deal with a child and two dogs. Bonus child. I literally. Are you dating women who have kids? I'm not. uh, You, Robin, it's so sweet that you think I'm dating right now. Well, you said, oh, there's somebody that I'm interested in like a few months ago. Uh, Yeah, you said that. I don't recall that. I'm going to take a word for it, though. I mean, I'm sure that I've like had a crush on someone, but no, I'm not dating anyone. But like, you know, it's and it but it is one of those things where it's like it's it's now it would now would be the time for that to be the choice. But it's not a choice like we fit like Mm -hmm. most people would not have that ability. Even growing up, it was weird that my dad in the 90s was able to support our entire family. My mom still worked two days a week. Mm-hmm. But mostly because she liked it. She was like the the office manager of a doctor's office. Mm-hmm. And she like went up to New York and like lived in her mom and dad's house for two nights while she worked at this doctor's office for like. Yeah, a, that was Monday her time to get the fuck away from you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think then, we're coming around to a time where I, I think plenty of women would want to have a house husband. Right. But like I, <laughs> would love economically, it. is it possible? For most people, no. no. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I that, that's, that's the other question. Right, and I would argue that even though it wasn't possible for a lot of people way back in like, you know, the 50s, 60s, Mad Men era, whatever, it was probably possible for a lot more people than it is now. Well, like, yes, yes, but part of that part of that is also the median income back then was much easier to live off of and be a middle class family. Things cost less jobs paid the fucking same and so you know (laughs) as as things start getting more and more expensive relative to what the median income is then all of a sudden you're like oh fuck like i mean there is there is the phrase the drying up of the middle class for a reason it didn't it didn't just disappear for no reason you know there wasn't just a drought no it's called inflation and jobs did not keep up with that well it's not just inflation it's it's wage stagnation it's uh, i mean that's that's all kind of relative and tied into it but yeah i i I get i get where you're pulling in the you know i didn't specifically say that but yeah i mean there's all sorts of things tied to inflation that you know job job base salaries just have not increased to that same rate that everything else is right like when you talk about oh i could buy a a fucking ford mustang for like a thousand dollars and then you realize what a ford mustang costs now and you then think about how much minimum wage is and you're like hold on there's very clearly a huge difference here what how the fuck did this happen 
you know, well, like to, just to, like, okay. Know, to, to illustrate this point with a family uh, example, um, my grandmother was a like sort of CPA for like Brown Brothers. And my grandfather was a beat cop. And they bought a house in Howard Beach that they lived in that at the time of my grandmother's death a couple of years ago was valued at well over a million dollars. Like Jesus. But like when they bought it, it's not even a lot now. If right. You think when about they it. bought it, it was not that much. It was a lot sure. cheaper, clearly. And they just lived in that house forever until it eventually became that expensive. I well, mean, and what's it, sad, what's sad about that is a lot of people, that's kind of their situation is they may have owned that house for a certain amount of time and all of a sudden the rents around them the areas around them have have gradually gotten better or or you know not better but the value of those lands have increased to a point where they may not be able to afford the taxes on oh that yeah and that's house. what's happening a lot in the bay area yeah yeah and and they're like but i own this house i've owned this house in my family for 30 years what do you mean i can't afford this house and it's like yeah that's yeah doesn't that this sucks. make you wish that there were i don't know some sort of circular utopian colony <laughs> out in the desert so one of the best cri- cri- fun critiques of this was why the fuck is there only one pool like wh- what are we doing like you gotta have more than you gotta have more than a community pool. Like what the fuck? Because you get to uh, go and yeah. with people. Uh, uh, they didn't. They didn't sign up for this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't. And like it. But like, see, these are the like. This is a conversation that we're having that is completely divorced from the movie itself because the movie doesn't even engage with the fact. Yeah. That like everything we're ta- like we're basically talking ourselves into being like yeah like that is pretty cool like wouldn't that be great like what I again, what would this have actually spoken to something unique about the era in which we're living yeah we're like we like we are we are a society I would say I don't know I don't know how old you are Heather and you don't have to tell me but like as a thirty five year old who I feel like I'm talking to a bunch of compatriots or contemporaries <laughs> we all like, knew what can't hardly wait was and yes, smart that guy. is true and we all responded Houser. the same way and boner <laughs> and uh, smart no guy. I I, um, I I still don't know what boner is but that's uh, that doesn't surprise me Bill well Bill when <laughs> man is never mind. Um, Thank you, Brian. Like, Second time today. Like, we're, we're like, like there is a thing that our generation is going through, like the millennial generation that has been talked about for a while, which is that like, oh, like they're they're like you know d- not doing what their parents are doing. They're like getting married older. They're not having as many kids. They're not buying houses. Like these fucking people suck. But like all of us are here screaming, like we'd love to. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. So like, well, and, and, wouldn't and you? That's I'd love out? to buy more napkins if I could afford them. <laughs> right, paper napkins. That's 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 one of the fucked up things that I see a lot in my friends is you know I, I, I'm lucky enough that Erica makes a, a pretty damn good living, and one of the fucked up things is a lot of people's rents are basic. Like when I moved into an, a, a brand new apartment in like a a way out there 45 minutes away from like dallas central and i lived in a suburb and 
it cost me more to live in that new one bedroom apartment than it does to pay my mortgage on my 1600 square foot home. I mean, in, in the heart house. of Dallas. Absolutely. Yeah. Bill, like when I, when I, like, when like I, that's fucked. That's when, fucked that you can basically be like, oh, you have X amount of monthly income. You can afford to pay that in rent, but a mortgage? Nah, fuck off. Like, well, like when I, no. when I, when my soon to, when my future ex wife and I became pregnant with our, when she got pregnant with our daughter, I like went up to my parents and I was like, so we're looking at apartments and they were just immediately like, no, fuck no. Like, absolutely. You're not getting an apartment. You need to do whatever you can to get a house. And I was like, I don't think I can afford a house. And they sat me down, pulled up Zillow, ran some numbers and were like, this is what it's going to cost for a house that you own. Show me the best apartment that you could get, or even the cheapest apartment, like the most reasonable apartment that you can get in that same area. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. All right. Well, that's fucking nuts. Um, and then, you know, it's like, yeah, that whole thing of like your credit's going to be better because paying a mortgage goes into your credit. Paying your rent does not, which is a really fucked up thing that we need to fix. But you also need to be able to put a certain amount down. And I was yeah, lucky that I bought in a town that was willing to – like I took advantage of a bunch of grant programs because I was buying a house that had previously been a rental property. And I like – sort of like borrowed against my uh, student loans and everything else. Like I just did a lot to make it happen. And I'm so glad that I did because a friend of mine who already owned a house said, you're going to be surprised. It's going to suck for a while. And then suddenly you're going to realize that you have money. You don't even know where it came from because it's just generally cheaper to own and live in a house. And it's not where I live. Well, Boston, you know, like you can't do it. Like I'm not going to go to New York and try to buy a penthouse or something, you know, like get out, get out. But I don't mean Boston. I I mean, even in the suburbs, like what? Well, so my whole conversation, like (laughs) I could, I could um, not even really afford a two bedroom condo in a shitty dupe, like multifamily house in like a decent neighborhood uh, because it would, it would just be unaffordable. So, you know, I would rather have a not shitty commute and, you know, enjoy my, my walk home or, you know, the 10 minutes it takes me to get to work, than have to have a soul sucking experience twice a day, uh, just to have like a little bit more green, I guess. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I don't know. I I'm at the point now where like, if something, I guess I'm kind of, my daughter loves us here and we have a lot of friends, but like when the pandemic started, there was a part of me that was like, this is the moment where I just need to move to like the sticks of Pennsylvania. Any place that has like a good, why like a good, a good internet connection. Mm-hmm. that's super fucking cheap. Because oh, are you like a Montana man? Your dream is just like living. <sighs> no, a- no. Like I don't want to live okay. in like a ranch in Montana, but I'd go for like a slightly depressed former mining town, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I get you. Well, what about you, Heather? Like, like, what kind of uh, home life? What are you saddled with? Um, yeah. <laughs> what do you come preloaded my, with? My credit yeah. score is pretty good. No, no um, I don't know. I, I'm uh, just in a different place or uh, I'm more worried are you about. Are <laughs> No, no, no. I'm more worried about being single. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I would love to get to the point where I can think about buying a house. 
or so you're like, where that's my problem. <laughs> you're still focused on like your emotional needs rather than like your shelter needs. <laughs> yes, I guess so. <laughs> are you in Brooklyn? Yes. Gotcha. What, what are you looking for? Because I got like at least two single friends. Wait, really? <laughs> <I'm> curious. <laughs> They're Jewish. Oh, that would be a plus. Okay. And we okay. and we promise they won't keep your eyes open. I if they do, that. they will definitely squeeze a dirty rag over them every eighteen <laughs> hours. It's gonna be some like nine and a half weeks shit. I'm, I'm curious. Why is uh, is it because? Heather, is it because you are Jewish and you'd like to marry within the faith or is it just like you like um, they're just a, she loves the, the lack of foreskin. Um, sorry, not, not joking. I'm joking. Not a reflection on you, Heather. Um, I, I am culturally Jewish and okay. appreciate others who are culturally Jewish, but appreciate those who are not as well. That was very politic of you. Well done. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Robin, tell us about these friends of yours. Let's try. To set up. No, no, that that wasn't that wasn't very politicky of her. That was very. I'm single, and I would like to not be single of her. <laughs> I'm going to cast a wide note. Me. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. That might be the most Jewish thing Robin's ever done. Is just oh please, honey. <laughs> to me, first of in- all. I rendered my own schmaltz yesterday for chopped liver. So that might be the most Jewish thing I've ever done. Okay, but I wasn't there to say that at that point. True. Um, And happy new year. It's Rosh Hashanah, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. Happy new year. And may it be a sweet one. I I concur. Yeah, that sounds like a great thing to to wish for people. So so what are do we have final thoughts? So I'm like in a reverse Heather position where I've got the house and everything, but I'm oh. I'm alone. <laughs> no, I'm I'm alone too. <laughs> you oh, have okay, one so. more thing than I have. <laughs> well, now I feel bad. Have two more. He's got two, a daughter. Two more things than I have. <laughs> oh, three. He's got an ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any ex-wives. <laughs> I mean, he comes preloaded with that one I too. I mean, like, again, I also have like two dogs, a snake, a lizard, and a cat. So, like, technically, I have a like twelve snake. things that you don't have. I have no animals. I'm yeah, always there, r- surprised by the snake. I'm always like, you got a snake. The Mac. snake doesn't come up a lot. He doesn't. She doesn't do much. She's looking at me right now, though. It's kind of weird. I like snakes. She's a she's a great one. Her name is Snack. Do they look? Wait, is her name Snack? Her name is Snack. Oh, yeah. that's a good one. She was named by my daughter when my daughter was having trouble saying the word snake. Mm. Can snakes see? I don't think I'm snakes sorry, can Bill. see. I'm sorry, Can you please what? restate what you just said for the audience <laughs> at home who just crashed their car into a light pole because of it? Are all snakes can... blind? Well, I I think, that, like, isn't that part of the reason that they have the tongue and the, and the you know, all that? No, they can see. They have eyes and they can see movement and they can smell with their tongue and they can sense vibrations and they some of them can pick up heat signals with pits that are under their nostrils. Yeah, Yeah. they they can also see they have eyes and they can see. So they've okay, but but is is, is this is this more of a bat situation or is this more of a ocular? They have it. They don't use echolocation. Bats can see. Bats have eyeballs. Bats can see. That's if a that's I, a very common. If I wiggle like, a finger thing. at my snake through the glass where it cannot pick up my scent, it will still follow my finger. 
It is okay. Do fair it. Enough. Prove it. I yes. Okay. <laughs> well, everyone, follow my Instagram where I will post. Wait, a video. what do you feed her? Like little mices? Yeah, little tiny. Do you get them delivered mice. from Amazon? I do not. You can get them freeze dried. I get them from like rodentpro.com. Oh, okay. <laughs> you get a monthly subscription. The promo code <laughs> film stage for ten dollars off any order of a hundred or more mice. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh God! Rodent Pro mice arrive direct to your door, packed in dry ice, guaranteed. Do they go into your freezer? They do. Yeah. Dinner? Yep. Oh. I already have so many bones in my freezer that I don't think my husband <laughs> would appreciate that. <laughs> Wow. Okay, Robin. We keep a lot of bone bags for soup. <laughs> okay. Jesus All right. Christ. Cool. Um, have, is there anything that we haven't talked about with this stupid fucking movie? I feel like we've really avoided talking about this movie. It's not that we avoided it. It's that we just found many more interesting things that it could have dipped into that it just chose not to. I feel like that's a very charitable way to look at what's gone on here. And I accept mm. it. I don't know. I feel like uh, I, don't, I feel like I did a lot of screaming about things. Like, is everything? Did everything that I say sound like sane? Like, did it make? I sense? didn't complain oh, enough no. about the friend who seemed to have gone crazy before her. Oh my god! So it's it, the problem with this movie is that it's got this mad wife in the attic, like Jane Airy thing going on, and it just feels so fucking played out. And well, also because she's not like subtle about it. like that that like. Like, I don't know. I'm have just going to go slit seen, my throat. Have these people not Maybe seen no enough movies see. to know that you should try to act normal so that you don't draw attention to yourself as you're trying to figure shit out? Instead, every single person's like, there's something wrong here. And it's just like, that's not helpful, <laughs> Janet. That's not the way to get shit done. Maybe you need to calm the fuck down and do some research first. So at some point, I kind of alluded to this. I did doze off a little bit. And... When I came back to fruition, I was a little <laughs> bit confused about people's identities. This is because I misunderstood the woman's name. I thought that the woman who was starting to go crazy was Alice. I did not remember Al, uh, Florence Pugh's name. So when they kept calling her Alice, I'm like, oh, my God, she was the other woman the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and then... I was, and then when the truth came out, I was like, that would have been the better movie. No, so like, this movie, well, th- there is this, that. Th- this movie is structured incredibly poorly. And I think it's insane that we are only talking about this now. But like, we're introduced basically, it's like, hey, here's a new girl. And it's not one of our main characters. I would venture to say she's not even a tertiary character. And then, <laughs> like, we've got, okay, here's Florence Pugh. She thinks everything's swell, except, uh-oh, there's eggs breaking and there's nothing inside of them. And also, her best friend, apparently, even though they don't really talk, is crazy now and is staring at the sun and says that there's a child that's gone missing. Did we ever meet him? Nope. We're, did we ever get to see this woman when she was normal? Uh-uh. She's just, like, it's, like, the way to do this movie is to already have Margaret be dead and for her to be this like unseen specter of like reality that's haunting Florence Pugh that this new woman's finding out about or to have Florence Pugh be the new person or to do literally anything but what this movie did. I do not understand (laughs) the choices this movie made. They're just like, 
oh, there's Margaret being crazy again. Here we are at this really awesome party where everyone's happy, but oh, we invited the woman who disappeared into the desert, who we stole her child. Why would you do that? What are you attempting to prove? Why is it only Alice that seems to witness these things? And also, we found out that like the children aren't real so right. why just couldn't they just let her have Christ like the child was in the airplane and it crashed that's right the pilot was <laughs> the child who had aged like a little prince exactly like little prince oh my god victory project is all about the baobab trees did you want this movie to be about the wives of the manhattan project I, that's what I think I wanted it wasn't to Wasn't that a TV show? Yeah, yes. it was called well, like Manhattan, right? Yeah, but I don't know if it was specifically about the wives. I'm thinking of Astronauts Yes, I knew Club. exactly yes. what you were going to yes. say. I'm <laughs> thinking about page. For All Mankind. This would be like <laughs> Nuclear Scientist Wives Club. Oh, that, that's a good pitch. Yeah. Um, All right, let's maybe go that's what, uh, Maybe that's what Oppenheimer's about. Oh, oh, I'm Jesus. joking. I don't think any women have been cast. Oh, okay. So here's an interesting factoid. <laughs> wait, hold so on. So apparently, oh, wait, hold on. This is important. Okay. Uh, I'm excited. Science, I, don't, I forget the name of the magazine, but a lot of science fiction mag- magazines from the 40s figured out what was going on uh, with regards to the um, the Manha- the Manhattan Project because <laughs> so many nerds moved to the desert that they were like, uh, something's happening out there. And they figured out like these, (laughs) these, like, you know, like the alien comic book, like all those like pulpy pre sci-fi. Yeah. That's like literally a plot point in the Watchmen from Alan Moore is like, Hey, all the science fiction writers are disappearing. (laughs) Like, Oh, but um, was it because the pub? But did the publications figure that out, or is that not? Pr- I've never read it. Um, I can't, I don't think so. No, I think that it's like I, like a lot of it's like conspiracy theory because the government was able to so uh, effectively handle information. Here's another thing that I don't like about the Margaret thing because I don't think the movie there is a way. <laughs> Margaret is, if not the only, then the most prominent black woman in this movie. And her job. I think there's one other. Yeah, I think there's one other. Yes. And her job is to freak the fuck out, murder herself, and serve as the, like, dead woman who awakens the consciousness of the pretty white blonde woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm not usually the type of person to, like, really latch on to that and be like, that's problematic. But when this movie is about literally everything that it's about, the fact that it doesn't interrogate that even a little bit is super fucked up. Like, are they just stupid or was their own lack of consciousness about it supposed to be making a point? Like, there's no way that you have the one person who sees the system for how it really is and is destroyed by it be a black woman who Mm -hmm. awakens, like, the white feminist... You know, and also they, they took her trying, child. I think they were trying to be a little race blind in a way that didn't serve them well. No, or, I don't know. That would be telling, because guess. being race blind also makes you vulnerable to blatant racism. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, that's a problem. You know, like and again, I'm not usually the type of person who's like, uh, like outside of like the. the I don't funny, usually like, care about race. 
I don't usually look at it as intently as I feel like a lot of people have conditioned themselves to look at it. But like there are times when it's so obvious. And especially again, this movie has the trappings of a pre-civil rights act America. And is showing us an integrated community. And has the black woman be the one saying this isn't right. The white dude is lying to us. We need to get the fuck out. I'm going to kill myself now. (laughs) and we and like the movie doesn't seem to it like and this is one of those things where it's like oh well if the movie's showing it it must know it it's like i don't know the movie's so stupid about everything else i don't think there's any reason for me to believe that the movie is aware of what it's doing with the margaret character because it's not greatly directed (laughs) i don't know i I, it's definitely the writing is mostly the problem I, think I agree, but casting, but casting um, is a directing problem. Yes. And I think that Olivia Wilde saying, oh, yeah, yeah, the one note hysterical woman who kills herself and helps our heroine come to a higher level of consciousness being a black woman is a great idea. Sacrifice her. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, is that like, well, I, apparently there's a controversy that uh, much of that actress's work was you know, ended up on the cutting room floor, so to speak. So that's like a, another layer to this uh, oh, I hadn't even heard behind the scenes that, drama. I think that just came out today, but it the, the drama continues. But so she met her partner on the set of the movie, or maybe her husband in the movie is now her partner in real life. So oh. she posted something on Instagram saying like, we were cut out of the movie, but we fell in love. Hmm. Well, hey, look. That's like a humble got, brag in a weird way. You still got paid and you're still going to get royalties and now you're married. I mean, like, you you know, you got more out of this movie than I got out of watching it. So. <laughs> I'm curious what got cut out, though. Like. Right. Like, what else was there to this role? Maybe if they <laughs> yeah. cut out some of the Busby Berkeley shit, they would have had time. Oh, my to have fucking that God. I hated that movie. so much. And then was that Dita Von Tees? Yes, I it was. Yes, it was. The, it the lady in the champagne glass. Yeah. Or whatever it was. Remember when they the made movie. Harry Styles dance? <laughs> oh, God. That's when I knew I was like that I had just turned. And again, it went like, from being okay to like, fuck you. It is impossible to feel any menace in this movie or any concern for Florence Pugh's character when she can have a full on fucking freak out like that. And leave during her husband's, like, most important thing ever. And the one thing that happens is that Bunny yells at her and then doesn't come to her dinner party. (laughs) Like, there should, like, people should be, like, whispering about her and she should be, like, getting alienated. Like, if this movie wants to be about, like, the social trauma of being gaslit and having all your friends disbelieve you, they need to spend more time making her seem as though she's withdrawing from stuff and instead it's just like oh my god the window's in my face up it's gone all right well i'm gonna go shopping now and everything's (laughs) fine like every cut was just like let's just forget about that weird thing that happened remember when she plastic wrapped her face and it made no sense and then (sighs) but that was visually like i don't know that was a good moment for the trailer the girls behind (laughs) me laughed a lot at that (laughs) I think because I'm going to wrap my husband's sandwich. I'm going to wrap my face. And then she's like trying to like undo it from the back. And I'm like, any, uh, she deserves to die. You obviously don't know where your mouth is. I kept thinking like, isn't this the first thing you teach children not to do? 
Just to wrap the plastic wrap around your face? Yeah. Well, you know, she... she I don't think uh, she was, like, trying to play or anything. No, and I also <laughs> don't an think astronaut. she got confused. <laughs> like, how does this thing work again? But it was just... It was, like, I agree with you, Heather, a much more effective moment for the trailer than it was within the I logic of the film. I would say that is literally every single scene in this movie. Oh, it was such crack. a good trailer. Maybe that's what I'm the reacting to. The was promise of the trailer. trailer. <laughs> it was so obvious what the twist was going to be. I okay, just didn't know Robin, the Robin, exact method of it. But it wasn't because who would have guessed it's a computer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who would have been stupid enough to say, oh, and how do you get out of this computer? You got to drive a 1954 Ford Mustang into the desert to a spiral mountain and touch <laughs> a mirrored glass pane on a circular kind of gazebo. <laughs> I'm sorry, what the was that? The chase, it was kind of good. The chase oh, I hated that chase so much. Oh my God, when she just oh my slams God, the brakes. Yes, I hated that moment. And, and poor they explode each other. Jonad gets fucking murdered. <laughs> Tim Simmons, oh, right? That's, that's his name? Is? I feel, yeah, I feel bad. He was wasted in this movie. He he's on beep. He is, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's I was the cloud to botherer. Out how I knew him. Um, the jolly gay giant or whatever. I'm trying to remember all the terrible names that got read out during that Senate inquiry. Oh, I've never. I I have really scraper, show, but <laughs> <laughs> I was again. Jesus. I want to bring up Allison Jones, who is uh probably like one of the most genius casting directors like ever. Um. There's a really, I forget where I read the profile of her, but there's a really interesting profile of her out there um, that goes into her history. I know. I'm so mad. Where, I don't know. This is like many years ago. And so she is basically the reason why we love the alt comedians that we do. Um, It's because she has a very particular talent for for picking them out. She's like the Horace Slughorn of comedians. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so that's what makes it work in this movie. Like between Nick Kroll, you got Kate Berlant, you've got the Veep guy. Like I was, I kept wondering why there's so many like comedy people in this movie when I, it wouldn't have been the most obvious casting. And, you know, I want to say it works, but I'm not a hundred percent sure it does. I, so I kind of felt a little disappointed that she, she, she had her witch fingers in this movie in some way, because <laughs> normally, what? you know, it's not for nefarious means, but. Ugh, Gemma Chan. So this movie is filled with like, like good behind the scenes people like the editor was an editor on um, only lovers left alive and like a couple of really great episodes of true detective and beasts of the Southern wild and Carol apparently, and Patterson. I mean, like, and and a Robin favorite of yours, the Lost Daughter. Oh, I do like that movie a lot. Yeah, so same um, editor, and then we've got and then Matthew, Matthew uh, Le- Liebetik. Yeah, I know who apparently <laughs> Olivia Wilde was like, I don't know what to shoot today, Matt, and he's like, Hey, I shot a movie where this ballerina was going crazy, and the mirror maybe. <laughs> do you want to do that a little bit? And she's like, Yeah, we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have the mirrors really play into this. Can we just take that full circle? I mean, the cinematography is the best part of this movie. I actually wouldn't hate if it got some awards love for just the the camera work. But, you know, I'm not going to like, I won't be mad if this movie completely disappears. But if it was going to get any 
veneration, I would say the cinematography. Um, so I, I, yeah. I would support that again. That's why I didn't, I, I thought this movie was just absolutely brain dead. Um, and yet there are some elements that work. So I, I gave it probably a higher rating than I normally would have because at least it didn't look like shit just smelled, acted and walked like it. <laughs> All right, I wow. think it smelled, <laughs> acted, and walked like shit, but didn't look like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we got to wrap it up. I don't know. I don't, I don't I, know how much more we can squeeze blood from a stone. I feel like we've we've pummeled the stone, and there's a lot of blood everywhere. It's just all blood. Just enough blood all over so that when another woman sees the blood, she will walk <laughs> away from her possible incel husband. Why is <laughs> it that, a, why is it that Bunny is the only one who's in there willingly? And what is the deal with Gemma Chan? Is she Yes. She's like clearly like a Lady Macbethian type, right? Like she must know what Frank is doing. And when and she stabs her really stab and twist. Yeah, oh, like the girls behind me love the twist. They say she literally <laughs> twists the knife. And then um I <laughs> can't remember what I was going to say. But like, so she's like, stupid man, it's like our turn now or my turn. And I'm like, oh, so now she's going to take over. Like, I thought she was going to like, again, I thought the movie was going to be more interesting than it was going to be. I thought she would like appear in front of Florence Pugh and be like, hey, like, I know that this seems like a fucked up thing, but like, isn't your life here better? Like, you know, taken care of by a man and all you have to do is like take care of your gorgeous home and have drinks with your friends and do a bunch of cool shit. And Florence Pugh could be like, yeah, that's awesome for a little while, but like, I'd rather save lives, motherfucker, and then like leave, you know. But instead, I think I would have hated the movie more if they spelled it out that obviously. I don't know. I just like, I'm like, okay, so like, Chris Pine is dead, I guess, because men die for real. Like, are all the women gonna kill their dudes? <laughs> are they all gonna like follow Florence into the desert and touch the It glass? was such a cheap ending. I, I really hate when endings just do that i hate when movies just they're like there's nothing more we can say here like, you yeah, come we, up with your own head hear cannon. her hear her hear her gasping for breath I'm like what does it mean like where are we oh, and like, again to quote the girls behind me <laughs> fucking picture better come back <laughs> they need a podcast the girls behind me <laughs> maybe they do i should have asked <laughs> hey are you guys recording a podcast about this i'd love to hear your thoughts <laughs> I love that the way you would approach these girls would be like, do you have a Zoom? <laughs> they have no con they have no context. Do you have a Zoom? <laughs> no, I, if, if I were to have legitimately done it, I would have said to them, hey, I'm watching this because I, I have a movie. Podcast. I know. I just like do the idea of of creep version of Brian. Yes. Um, like dirty Harry Styles, not cool put together Harry Styles. <laughs> dirty Harry Styles. That sounds like a Wheel of Fortune clue. <laughs> <laughs> He's a pop singer who wants to know if you feel lucky. <laughs> Lord. Okay. Um, I'm sure that if 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 I could remember more stuff, I'd yell about this movie some more. Uh, but I would like to give Heather the chance to say any final things as the person who claimed she was going to be the defender of this movie. <laughs> and then just shard it all over. Basically it. just was like, everything you say makes sense. That's And yet I liked it. <laughs> I mean, I've been there. I've liked so many pieces of shit. Like Avatar. 
I wouldn't, I don't actually think that movie's a piece of shit, but like, oh God, what's an example of like a really shitty movie that I love? Oh, like White Chicks. <laughs> um, I also like Avatar. Avatar is good. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> um, I feel like, no, you, you just summed it up. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, like this movie posits, anything a woman could say, a man could probably say better. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> this movie's so dumb. Oh, boy. Anyway, um, so this has been fun. This has been great. Uh, we have gone longer than the movie itself. So congratulations to us, guys. Everyone, round of applause. Woohoo! Woohoo! Um, yeah. So that's... <laughs> Bill's not having it. Bill just woke up again. <laughs> he had my uh, my doze-off experience. When did you doze off, Robin? Um, God, this is actually terrible. I dozed off right when Chris Pine approaches her in the kitchen. Oh, my God! <laughs> Yeah, what the that fuck? was one of the good scenes, though, right? That was one of the good scenes. It and was like all I is, remember is him saying, "Like I like a challenge," and I was like, "Of course you fucking do." But it's not. This is the that the problem is that he. Oh my god, we we could really do a whole other podcast about like a bunch of missed opportunities in this movie. He's mm-hmm. supposed to be like a Jordan Petersonian kind of person, but like he's not doing it like he's not like it's like he's not attempting to win any of these people to his side like he comes up to her and he's like i like like a challenge like da, 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 da. i've been waiting for someone like you and i was like oh is he like is this a situation where people are brought in unknowingly but then like accept it and that's supposed to prove his point is that like freed of societal biases this is in fact the natural state like that women would like he to breaks be her right Right. Like, I'm going to tame this horse. Right. But instead, he's basically just like, uh, but I think he, what's funny is that at the end of that dinner scene, Robin, did you see the end of the dinner scene? No comment. Okay. Cool. <laughs> at the end of the dinner scene, he, everyone else leaves and he's like, that was super fucking disappointing. Everyone thinks you're crazy now. Bye. And I'm like, is he watching the movie? Like, because like my whole thing is like, oh, so now they're going to have like this battle of the wits and he's going to like try to make her understand like this is so much better than the world you came from. You don't have to do fucking shit. You could be drunk all the time, smoke cigarettes, make pot roasts and get fucked by Harry Styles. Like, this is great. Why would you fight this? What else is there? And instead, he's just like, I'm going to sit here and like fold my hands in a very unnatural way and look at you and let you sound crazier and crazier the more you talk until you alienated all your friends. Like. There's nothing here. It's so fucking frustrating. I mean, anyway. how about the fact that this movie proves that grooming is everything? Doesn't matter if you are <laughs> fugly or gorgeous. Like, just take care of yourself. Shower. Get a decent hairdo. Like, wear good clothes. What's I mean, funny is that that's legitimately something that Jordan Peterson says. <laughs> oh, God. Whole- his whole th- like the reason that people like the reason that people think he's like raising up an army of incels is because he basically looked at a generation of disaffected fucked up men and told them like literally make your bed. Like don't live in your filth. Don't fucking sit around and feel sorry for yourself. Get up in the morning, make your bed. Put on actual pants. 
do some fucking shit with your life. You don't have inherent value. You need to make it <laughs> for yourself. So what I'm trying to say is... Are you killing me right I now? I was about to say, what I'm trying to say is that Robin is clearly <laughs> red-pilled. <laughs> but it's true. It's like, listen, I don't think... Harry Styles is not my type, right? But he he like wears clothes in the movie and he's got like a decent haircut and you know it just it just goes to show that you could be like dirty stinky you could be dirty stinky that's how she's harry styles about. or you could be like mad. <laughs> God damn it. Robin. i'm saying you could be dirty stinky harry styles or you could be mad men harry styles God fucking damn it. Yeah, Is my husband be... streaming? I don't <laughs> <laughs> Baby, are you in victory again? Get out of <laughs> trying to God podcast. Damn it. <laughs> Stop developing. This is, Seriously. can I ask a question as, as like a wrap up? Which is a better twist? Is it this or is it Serenity? <laughs> Oh, I haven't seen Serenity. Oh, that's unfortunate. Wait, the like... Matthew McConaughey Serenity. No, I don't know what even that is. Oh my God, Robin, I don't... You need, Please watch it. Will you watch it for me, Robin? Serenity? Serenity. Don't The only Serenity I know it. is the... Not the Nathan Fillion one. Okay. You gotta right. look up. I, I, okay, I'm gonna go on cold. Stephen one Knight's... review I read um, referenced this. Maybe yeah. the Anthony Lane's review. Oh, yeah, but this thing, but like I kind of loved Serenity because it's so batshit, and this one is just annoying and fucking terrible. Um, I can't even remember what I was gonna say. I every time I, we, every time we try to get out of here, I, remember I know some other there's just like thing. another corner of stupidity gets. Unturned. But I think okay, I think this is gonna be my final wrap up. I I I shouted a bunch of shit earlier in a fugue state about how the entire <laughs> point of doing? making this movie was that it was basically a two-hour cinematic, like, X-million-dollar dunk tweet, right? <laughs> and I think that everything we've talked about has proven that. Because yeah. any tweet that gets, like, 150,000 likes and a bunch of quote retweets that are really happy about it falls apart the second you apply any kind of academic thought to it. It literally exists just for a single hit of dopamine that you can slightly get a little more of if you interact with it positively. But it doesn't actually ever give any complex thought because it can't because it's a tweet, right? But a movie can do so much more. And so it's very, very, very distressing that a movie like this with this much power behind it and this many obviously talented people doesn't attempt to be anything more than a prefab branded viral dunk tweet. It doesn't it doesn't try to even kind of see... like the town of victory itself. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't try to understand why this would be appealing not just to shitty, dirty, stinky men, <laughs> but also to overworked, underappreciated, undervalued, exhausted women who honestly, like, you know, might be feeling like empowerment sucks a little bit. And it doesn't stop to, like, consider what is being said by a person like Jordan Peterson, who I only keep bringing up because Olivia Wilde literally brought him up. 
mm-hmm. in in the, the the talking about this movie. Like, what is it about him? Like, listen to a couple of his podcasts. Hold your fucking nose or get a like assistant to do it and say, like, earnestly try to steal man what this guy is saying. Don't think of it like he's a fascist who's trying to drag us back to the 1950s. Think about what, like, think about these characters like people. And instead we just got this and it's so distressing and it's so annoying. And I just, I'm very upset about it. Anyway, uh, once again, would you like to, would you like to, would you like to say anything before we go? Um, Back to ugly, stinky Harry. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need to talk about more. I I just thought it was so amazing how, like, they didn't change that much, but he looked horrible. Like, is, <laughs> is he all a haircut? I Like, like Robin and them. Jordan Peterson say, yeah, sometimes it's just that much. I, I sometimes like men with long hair, so it's not even just about the cut. It's no, just it's, like it's the grease. Are you brushing? Right. Or, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like the the grease curtains of Severus Snape. Like sometimes just wash your hair, man. The grease like curtains. When I when I was a younger man, I would grow out a beard and then just shave the whole fucking thing off, and it just became a thing of like it was like a depression beard or like a pandemic mm-hmm. beard, right? And when I finally bought at like Target like a wall trimmer. And like, you know, zipped up the sides and cleaned it up a bit and like aligned it. I was suddenly like, oh, I look like handsome. I don't look like <laughs> scary and intimidating. I suddenly look very good. I should continue to do this. And yeah, sometimes it is just like that small amount of stuff. And so I think Harry Styles just has a very large amount of stuff that he does. He's got that cool little flip, the duck flip when he's uh, in Mad Men mode. When he's he's just so anonymous down. to me. Uh, yeah, he's not, I, you know, like, uh, I don't feel like he's got a thing. You know, I feel like most of the pop stars when we were growing up had like a thing, like a weird little like quirk. Like Justin Timberlake well, had his hair, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you mean his ramen? The, the rap on Harry, it's interesting, like, is that he's all style and no substance. And I, you could definitely say that about this movie, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he just like looks really good and is really winning and dances and everything. But like, are his songs that good? I don't know. Can you so, imagine Shia LaBeouf in this role? I don't think he could. That, it's an interesting thought experiment because not not really. I think <laughs> yeah. he would play dirty real world. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think like because Harry Styles is dir- like I I'm still confused by what we're supposed to think or feel about that character, like like as a person who's lost his job and like ha- had no money for a long time and was like worried about losing my house and like not being able to feed my daughter, like it's very easy for me to see how that situation could lead you to a dark place. I mean, like I brought up Teal Swan earlier in this episode. <laughs> three, four hours ago. Um, and she, I won't say praise upon, but she is found by people in the lowest moments of their life. And that's one of the most insidious things about the internet is that if you are good at SEO, you as a cult leader can not have to seek people. They will find you. So like mm-hmm. if you tag your SEO to go after people who've recently looked for like ways to deal with the loss of a parent, you can have your little thing pop up and it will be like titled like how to deal with the loss of a loved one. 
And you have now just used the algorithm to make it seem as though the universe has delivered you to someone in the moment that you need them most. And like, again, there's a very interesting way to engage with that, that this movie could have done if it were even a little bit curious about the very real people who find themselves being seduced by these ways of thought. Well, because ultimately it's not really about a cult or if it is, the the women are not members of the cult. It's the men. Right. And that's the thing. Except for like, Olivia Wilde. Yeah. Which again, uh, sure. But again, like it's, it's not interrogated. And she's not there because she's like, I didn't like my life. I was like a high powered lawyer and I had a heart attack at 26 because I was doing Benzies or whatever. Like she was just like, <laughs> oh, my kids died. Hey, Wanda. <laughs> and so I like completely joined this weird virtual cult because I want to be with my kids. And it's like, okay, but like, there's a lot of other stuff here too. Like, did, is none of that appealing to you? Like, it would have been more interesting if like, if it turned out that like Florence was the only person who wasn't there, like, because she wanted to be. Like, if if every, if literally every other woman... Like, if she was an outsider the whole movie already, and, like, then that just added to her alienation, and then it turned out it's because she was the only one who was brought in against her will, and everyone was aware of it, and they didn't like it because they didn't want her fucking up their lives, which she does. And then that makes her, at once, a victorious hero at the end, but also, like, the villain who's destroyed all the happiness of these people because she's, like, destroyed Mm, the mirror world. That's like a Flannery O'Connor vision. Right. Like the, per- it's, it's like the cons it's, and again, it's something that would be more interesting. It's like, Oh, I'm that feminist who's given you choices, but I've also accidentally like opened you up to all the misery that like the real world brings with it. It's like, well, Pandora. That's great, we didn't want that. Like we came here for a reason. This is the village motherfucker. We don't want to leave the woods. <sighs> you know, we could do this. We could make all these permutations. I know. I just, forever. I, yeah. So we got to stop. Um, Heather, any final Hamilton. thoughts? Um, I didn't have any additional thoughts before, and I have even fewer <laughs> now. No, you had a final keeping thought. this woman hostage. Your thought was greasy Harry Styles. Is he just a haircut? And then that somehow brought us another 10 minutes worth of content. <laughs> <laughs> this it, she's been... a headline writer. What can I say? I know. This has been great. Uh, I'm sorry that we've held you hostage, Heather. Um, that's okay. Um, I had a good time being held hostage. I actually wanted to be here. Um, you would do I well like it in victory. victory. Right. You're, yeah. you're, you're a real bunny. You're not an Alice. Like <laughs> she, she likes the, the dirty soap water, right? That's yeah, what she's into. into her eyeballs. <laughs> oh my God. All right. All right. So this has been fun. Uh, thank you. I, for any people who are still listening to us, a Y B. Thank you. C. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at Film State Show, Facebook the Film State Show. Oh God, uh, Robin Bar. What are we also, about next blink time? twice. What? What are we talking about next time, Bar? Blonde. And if you thought I shot on this movie, blonde, more like bland. Am I right? Um, no, it's not bland. That's a problem. Oh, more like blonde. I don't know. That's still bland. That. <laughs> no, it's like blah, like uh, blah. Yeah, yeah, but no, she's saying it's definitely not blah and it's definitely not bland. It could be bland, but not be blah. It's just definitely not good. Let's just okay. say that. <laughs> good times. All right, I'm looking forward to seeing that movie. It's by director Andrew Dominic, who did the assassination of Jesse James with a coward Rob Ford, as well as killing them softly. Um, that's gonna be great. Looking forward to that. It's gonna be on Netflix. You can definitely watch it before we talk about it. 
Um, uh, don't forget that we're also brought to you by Mubi. Mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30 trial of Mubi. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash filmstage to give us your money. And that is that. Uh, so let's tell the fine people at home where you can be found between now and the next time that we shout into their ears about red pills and incels. Uh, we begin with our <laughs> guest, Heather. I've, I've now forgotten how to pronounce your last name. <laughs> Um, Heather Schwedell and Schwedell. You- <laughs> no juice. You gotta give it the juice. It's not Schwedel. It's Schwedel. <laughs> um, I I'm not sure if I don't know. Um, okay. <laughs> we broken her. Oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter. Um, you can follow my work at Slate.com or you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is Heather Twit. And she's like my favorite tweeter. Let's be real. Thank you. She doesn't do pointless dunk tweets. She actually gets to the meat of an issue. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. All right. Deep, um, nerdy issues that I relate to. <laughs> deep, nerdy issues. Uh, like Pop-Tarts and Can't Hardly Wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and we look forward to having you back for our classic review of Can't Hardly Wait in two years' time. I would love that. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Robin, put it on the books. Okay. You got it. <laughs> Great. Yes, awesome. chef. yeah oh boy all right bill graham what about yourself uh you can find me on instagram at bill sagram and you can also find me mixing it up on the slack channel all right robin Barr. uh you can find me on twitter at r-o-b-y-n-b-a-h-r and you can sometimes find my writing at the hollywood reporter all right. As for me, uh, you can find all my stuff over BrianJerone.com, my personal site. Um, you can also learn more about my distillery, which uh, didn't come up at all in this episode, surprisingly, uh, over at SchmidtSpirits.com or InkwellWhiskey.com. I'm on all the social media sites that I'm part of at Brian because I am not creative, even a little bit. And, of course, you can find my writing and every episode of this year's podcast over at the Film Stage. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next week. And